What's up, Sifters? Welcome to Game Face episode 66 in our brand new format. It's going to be exciting. Can't wait for you guys to check it out. Today we've got a huge show for you guys. We're going to talk about Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. We're also going to talk about the latest news for Destiny 2 and Star Wars Battlefront 2. Plus, we'll talk about the latest Nintendo Switch news, the long-awaited indie game Owlboy, and the very, very soon-to-be-released NES Classic Edition. And that's not all, folks. We're going to talk to you about BlizzCon 2016, Skyrim Special Edition, and much, much more. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a brand new format for Game Face, episode 66. Uh, we're just going to jump right into the show today. We've got a ton of topics, and we can't really sleep. So first on the docket, we've got Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Matt, mm -hmm. probably going to be the best-selling game of 2016, one way or another. Um, Unless you count GTA V somehow. Yeah, I guess you're right. That might actually <laughs> be relevant. Um, so we've already talked in depth about the multiplayer. We mm -hmm. played the beta to death. I played the beta to death. And uh, you guys can go back and watch the old episode of Game Face if you want that. I mean, just off the top, what I would just say for people who maybe don't want to go fishing for that episode is that it's very similar to Black Ops 3. And I was not a huge fan of Black Ops 3. It also, the multiplayer almost feels like Black Ops 3 dash two or mm. something like that and uh so i've been fiddling around with it since i got the final review code uh, a little bit with the multiplayer but what i've really been playing is the campaign and you've been playing the campaign as well mm. matt what are your initial impressions of the campaign uh it's good like i mean i haven't played a battlefield campaign since modern warfare 3 um but a like, call of duty campaign uh yeah uh, Battlefield. They're all the same. No, it's all blending together. We got all these um, shooters. A lot of like, shooters in the last couple. I weeks. have been shooting my ass off. And also, like, let me say, like, come, yeah, you because know, I finally played the Titanfall two campaign this week as well. And like, been a couple places where I'm I'm shooting a robot, you know, but behind cover, or I'm blowing the helmet off some like future soldier guy, and I'm like, which game am I playing? Like, I, like Titanfall two and Infinite Warfare have a lot of parallels happening with them, yeah. which is not a bad. I mean, I think Titanfall two so far is a more inventive campaign, um, but Infinite Warfare has a lot of that going on with the futuristic stuff and the robot soldiers and and the, you know little 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 creep drone uh, grenade things, which I love because it means I don't have to aim. Um, but it's been pretty uh, pretty compelling so far, and like it's just enough Call of Duty mixed with just enough like sci-fi stuff but also like grounded enough that it doesn't feel like crazy lasers pew pew that like it's got my attention uh, like i like i'm digging it. I'm, I'm pretty early on in it um i've basically like you know i've, I've done the a big opening you know the opening prelude thing where you've you know the call of duty tradition where like you know you do you get thrown into some mission where you inevitably get killed at the end of it yeah and then um the real story starts and you know, I think we've seen a lot of the the early stuff already in like the E3 and the promo stuff, where like you know, the Earth gets attacked by the. Yeah, uh, we should probably set up what's going on. So, yeah. So yeah. basically, what's happened is in the future. I'm not even exactly sure what year it they is. They never say, but I'm guessing it's like about 200 years, because there's a yeah. there's a there's a, about half of Mars seems to be populated now. Yeah, and so there are humans living on Earth, and there are humans living on Mars. Earth is all out of fossil fuels and other resources, mm. and so we've went to Mars to mine the planet 
to start bringing those resources back. And what has happened is there's been a fissure with humanity where people have been living on Mars for so long that there are people who have been born on Mars. Yeah. And it's almost like racism in a little bit in that the people who are born on Mars look down upon the people who were born and come from Earth. So mm-hmm. it's become this kind they, of... They, they call them Earthens. Yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> Instead of Earthlings, which yeah. is what I thought we were always called. Well, Earthen, if you're born and you're a Martian, Earthen makes more sense to you linguistically, I think. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Like, like there's a lot of thought into this scenario. More than I expected, I think. Um like clearly they sat down and thought like what is a believable conflict what how would this sort of develop what would be the reasons for it um and it's like inter- like i'm interested to find out more about what's happening in this world as as the campaign goes and they do so- sort of slowly piece out information to you which i i honestly did not think i would ever be intrigued to find out more about the world of a call of duty campaign ever like yeah cuz there's this other faction called the SDF yeah the SDF is the settlement defense force uh, or who are supposed s- to be like the cops of Mars, but they're, but they're actually basically an insurgency that wants to smash Earth and declare full independence and never and never deal with Earth again and basically starve. They'll, they'll starve Earth out is, is the implication because uh, if Mars doesn't send their you know send send their raw materials there uh, to Earth, like Earth will basically stop wither and die. Like, yeah. yeah. And uh, and there's and a John lot... Snow, by the way, is the head of yes, he is the, the SDF, the sinister head of the of SDF, or as the the soldiers call it, uh, set def. Yeah, yeah. Um, which and it's interesting. The other thing is interesting because I haven't gotten far enough. I don't know if they if they flesh out why uh, the SDF is doing what they're they doing. They actually, more. I have not finished it. I think I'm right at the end. I had to get here for the show. I wasn't able to uh, to keep playing it and finish it off, but. But they do not. Right. They really never give any reason why the game, these people... The game definitely has a point of view on the conflict. Because yeah. you're on the side of the Earth. Yeah. And, um... Like, even though, like, when you die or whatever, and the little text things come up, like, there's, like, you know, they called themselves the Settlers Defense Force as propaganda to make themselves look like they were, like, noble. And stuff. Right. Or, like, they call, like, their propaganda newspaper the Veritas. I'm just like... Like, did you forget that all that stuff is super associated with, like, tyrannical regimes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, they are pretty clearly evil in, in terms of how the, the, the game is looking at them and also in sort of how they function and, like, you know, uh, Jon Snow's, uh, Kit Harrington's... Here he is. Uh, here he is. They are, like, he is... He comes off as some kind of, like, crazy person, like, like crazy he's, cult leader kind of thing. He's really bad. Yeah. yeah, he's a big time. So this scene right here is the first time you meet him. Basically yeah. what happens is you you and a few soldiers go down to the planet's surface to do a recon mission. Yeah. On your is a Europa. You're on the moon Europa. Yeah. Which is, there's some beautiful visuals, like space visuals in this game. Yeah. Like, it's very nice. And you, uh, you go down to the surface, everything kind of goes wrong, and you get attacked by the SDF. And then up walks... Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know nothing. <laughs> and the funny part about this scene is at first he seems kind of nice, like... Yeah, you're not sure what's happening here. And, like, this is actually a really interesting moment. Because you think he's going to kill your buddies, and then he shoots his own, his own guy yeah. to demonstrate that his, uh, his other soldiers will not react to that. Yeah. Well, I think he also demonstrates it to say, you know... I don't even care enough about my own right. soldiers to keep them alive. But it's that, but it's also very important to note that, like, the guy next to the guy gets shot, no reaction to it. Yeah. Like, he, his, his people are 
100% utterly mindlessly loyal to him. Like, there is yeah. no subverting this man. Yeah. And, like, you know, I mean, you've seen this kind of character in previous Call of Duties to some degree. I mean, you know, the... the He's always in the Call of Duty games. <laughs> and here's your. There's a lot of funny. This this was that was pretty nasty right there. But like, there's yeah. some very interesting elements of this uh, of like the robots and stuff. Like, if you told me this was in the same timeline as Titanfall, like a hundred years removed, I'd almost kind of believe you. Like, there's, there's Conor McGregor, by the way, from the UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, both are bad guys. Yes, and of, you're right. That scene right there where the robot just stomps their heads into mush. Yeah, there's been a lot of scenes in this game even already where I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, oh, wow, there's some there's some stuff going on. Here. It definitely holds up that kind of mystique that Call of Duty has because every Call mm. of Duty game kind of has that has a few sections in it where it makes you do things that you're like, I don't really want to do this, <laughs> and you kind of doing it. It's like no rush, and we've talked about it before. Mm. You know, it's one of those things where they put you in this moral quandary where you have to decide whether you're going to participate or not. Um, but one thing I will say about this game is at the beginning there is not like a content warning. Remember mm, how most yeah. Call of Duties, they'll be like, hey, there's some pretty messed up stuff in this game, and if you don't want to see it, you can turn it off, like, right now. But they don't give you that option here. Like, it's, mm. the game just starts, and... You must see the future. <laughs> whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, after that scene, like, it, the game kind of settles into a normal Call of Duty game. Mm. I guess you could say that. Um... Like, you're running around a city, and stuff's falling over, and guys are running at you, and you're blowing things away, and... Uh, it does that annoying thing where, like, sometimes I'll hit the point where I'm like, I don't know where it wants me to go. And it's like, well, it just keeps hitting you with bullets until you yeah. sort of, like, figure out which way it wants you to be. Yeah. Uh, which I find annoying. Um, but at the same time, I've, you know, I, I haven't played one of these in many, many years. So, like, you know, I don't know how much of this is sort of, like, by the numbers at this point. But number one, I'm like, wow, this looks really good. It like, does like, look good, yeah. Like, it, it's very pretty uh, in, you know, because the last one I played was a 360 version of, of oh, Modern wow. Warfare 3. So it's like, you know, I haven't <laughs> seen a lot, of the, a lot of the jumps that they've made since then. Um, I like. I think the balance of the the future tech and the realism is is just about there for me, as far as I'm concerned. I had a problem in this section right here. You didn't realize you hit the button on the weapon. No, it was earlier where like, or actually right here because this is when the first mech shows up. You're supposed to destroy it with the beam gun right, thing. Yeah. And I'd already used it to blow all the soldiers away because that's fun. It is fun. And that like, weapon's awesome. And I didn't realize like <laughs> you have to, if you move up further, there's another one that refills the ammo. I was out of ammo with yeah, it. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't hurt the thing. I was just throwing. Yeah, there's like, another one. Drones that you can him. pick up. Yeah. If you could make it around the corner, because yeah. after you take out this guy, then three of them come right. down the ramp. And uh, you have to take them all out. So, weapons. I love the weapons in this game. Yeah, weapons They all are great. feel amazing. They all have a great punch to them. They all mm-hmm. fire, like, differently. Like, they are somehow this weird mix of, like, present weapons and future weapons. Yeah. Like, like the like the Volk. Uh, you run into the Volk a lot early on. And uh, it's basically, like, future... AK forty seven. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's like it's it's uh, and it feels like it and it kicks like it and it hits yeah. like it and it's it's they're all fun. Like, but I have not run into a weapon where I'm just like, oh, I don't like this so far, yeah, yeah, which I is either. unusual. I usually I have very set weapon preferences in these games, and so far I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good too. I just switch them out at, at will. I also love the weapon loadouts. It uses basically the same pick ten system that it uses for uses for multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So you can basically kit your guy out however the hell you want. I mean, you can choose to have set like multiple attachments for one mm-hmm. gun and have none on another. You can set everything up so you have more lethals if you want to and have no sidearm if you don't want. Mm-hmm. The other thing I love too is that like the lethals have four. So you can have like four frag grenades, like four shot grenades, 
There's awesome grenades in this called, like, what are they called? Seekers? Seekers, yeah. Like little spiders. They're like little spiders that you throw, and they heat sink on the enemy. Mm-hmm. And, and they jump get... on them, and they, yeah. you'll see them, like, trying to get them off. It's almost stuff. like it's a really... suicide vest. Yeah. Like, it attaches yeah. to them and wraps around them, and it just blows them up. Like, And there's, like, little, you know, when they blow up, you get a little readout of, like, which ones got killed, how, how many, many people got injured. injured yeah. which, and then they track them when they move. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of really cool tech things in this game. Um... And like I'm pretty, I'm pretty early in it, so I've only just started to see because because I was a little surprised once you get, you know, get access to the the space carrier and sort of you know jump out to kind of take revenge on what happened and like, but the game like opens up in a way that I didn't really expect it to. Yeah. And maybe I think you'd probably be better to talk about it. like the you know in terms of all the uh, kidding out and being able to like you can like I guess like 3D print weapons you pick up yeah. and like. You know, if you if a weapon you haven't seen before, you pick it up and it kind of does this scan thing. It's like now you can make this weapon in your carrier yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of like, there's a surprising amount of freedom for a Call of Duty game. I would Not say. just in the weapons and the loadout, though. There are also throughout the game there are optional missions mm-hmm. that you can decide to take on or not. They're not, they're not as good. Like Black Ops Two is still an amazing game. Like I don't know if you remember or not, but that game had like branching story paths where it actually changed yeah, like the, the ending of the game and like. It made it worth going back. It's not quite that here. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, there's just extra missions you can tackle if you want to, but it doesn't really change, like, the overall arcing plot. Um, but you're right. Like, there's just a lot of flexibility. And I think one thing I would say, too, is that playing a single player feels a lot more like playing the multiplayer now mm-hmm. than it has in the past. Like, it always felt like these disparate, like, discrete options in Call of Duty. And here, I feel, it feels to me a lot more similar yeah, I don't feel as railroaded in this as I did in... I mean, you are still going down a cattle chute yeah. uh, you know, of, of narrative, but um, in terms of like how I play it, I don't... You know, it's, it's like, because other Call, the old Call of Duty's kind of had that thing where it's like, okay, now you have magically have a rocket launcher that you're going to need in the next five minutes, so you know, just walk forward kind of yeah. thing. Whereas in this one, you're a little more... It's willing to kind of let you screw up a little it bit is, more. It is, yeah. It's not easy, though. No, I'm playing it on medium, and I've died many, many times. Yeah, um, I've gotten killed. Sometimes more often it's than just that expect. perfect Fred Bar, Fred, uh, Favre, <laughs> Fett Brar, <laughs> Brett Favre, Fett Brar, Brett Favre, Star Wars toss. version of Brett Favre, yeah. grenade toss from like a hundred yards, and it lands like right on your crotch, right. and you're like, what? Like, I've had a couple that was, was like, oh, boink, and I'm like, I'm like uh, that, and I, I get try to run. Well, I, no, I, I'll try to run, but I'll get stuck on scene. Right, or something. right. It's, it's still not. It's funny how many of the kind of the classic technical problems are still sort of there in yeah, some yeah. places, um, but I like it. I like the characters. I'm, I'm interested in what's happening. The uh, cinemas is... in this game, man. I th- I'm assuming they're pre-rendered. Yeah, because they change frame rate. Yeah, but yeah. wow. Yeah. The the humans in the cutscenes in this game look almost photorealistic, yeah. man. There's a couple times where I like blinked and was like, "Is that live action footage or is that CG?" Like, yeah, their mocap is on point. But the CG, the quality of like the human faces in their CG sequences, it's amazing, man. Like they're like literally, there's a couple moments where I was like, is that live or is that Memorex? Mm-hmm. Like really, really impressive. And and the in engine graphics aren't such a drop off that it's like jarring. Yeah. You can tell the difference, obviously. But like for instance, after I watched one cinema, I went up to the char- one of the characters who was in the cinema and looked at her really closely to kind of see the differences, and they're not that far off. Like no, they're pretty close. Yeah, this engine that they've got I, I, here... It seems like they're doing something sort of like Uncharted similar, where like the, yeah. you know, they're using the game assets... Assets, but, just, but rendering, rendering beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, I just finished Gears of War not 
too long ago, and Gears actually does have real-time cinemas, mm-hmm. which that look amazing. So it's a little interesting that you're, we're playing games with pre-rendered cinemas in this day and age. Well, the, but the main thing I think is like I don't know how you would do most of the stuff that happens in these cinemas in real time. Like, right. The, like the, the cinema, it switches to cinemas when stuff gets large scale. Yeah. And uh, I feel you know, especially in the city combat stuff, and I feel like that would be a lot to ask to run at a steady frame rate because they're. They're pretty rock solid in the frame rate on this game. You know, I'm playing on PS4. Yeah, me too. Um, I did not go uh, PC because. Uh, but did you hear the PC version? Well, the PC, PC Steam version. Steam players yeah. and oh, the Windows, Windows 10 store players thing cannot is play together. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if you saw that, that screenshot of the Windows version where two people were online. No. Yeah. <laughs> two people. That's hilarious. presumably one of them being the person taking the screenshot. Right. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, Windows 10, you can only play with other Windows 10 purchasers. Well, I mean, uh, why would you why buy would you it on Windows I, Store instead of Steam? It makes no sense whatsoever. One person on Gaff did just to see, oh. I think. <laughs> just, to, just to see, like, if there were anyone, anyone else doing it. And there were two. Wow. What do you think about the uh, dogfighting in this game, the space dogfighting? For starters, there's a lot more of it than I mm. thought there was going to be. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I mean, it's too too lock y uh, overall for me. Like basically, you and it's funny how they really kept the controls the same as the on foot controls. Like, they did. Yeah. Like you push up on the L stick to mo- to fly forward. And you, click it to you thrust. Click it to, yeah, it, it's it's still the same. <laughs> it makes sense though. It, yeah, it, it's. It, I mean, I think there's probably alternate schemes for it. Yeah, I just haven't looked probably. at it. Probably. Uh, but the you know you have pretty pretty good uh, freedom of motion. Um, it feels good. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening all at once. My only main issue is like to to shoot something. You basically have to hold L trigger to lock onto them, yeah. and then fire. But and then I you prefer... have it locked on. Like you don't have to aim. Right. You don't you don't have to aim at all. You have to be sort of vaguely pointed in their direction, which is probably how that will work. It is. I yeah. mean, it's true. Are you really going to manually aim? Like no. In but the as future? a wing commander kid, like <laughs> I do want to manually, and I tried a couple. It just yeah. doesn't work. Like there's this, it, it almost feels like it's not letting you hit them. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's a little too easy because of the lock-on. I'll, yeah. I'll admit that, but... But it's, I, it's exciting. It it's, is, it's and it controls very well. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, like, I hate to say this, but the dogfighting in this, I enjoy more than the dogfighting in, in uh, No Man's Sky. Yeah, well, there's more to this one. Though. And I can actually hit stuff in this. I was never able to hit anything. Mm-hmm. Like, No Man's Sky is on the other end where it's, like, too difficult, I think. Well, I, I, the auto-aim on No Man's Sky is ridiculous. Like, it's... it's, yeah. it's I mean, for me... When it's, I'm, it is on this, too. I mean, it's Call yeah. of Duty. Like, well, it, the auto-aim in Call of Duty, at least you have to do it manually. Right, Whereas right. in No Man's Sky, it's just like, yeah, we're just going to automatically lead your target. You're going to kill everything instantly. I mean, I, yeah. see, see, we had opposite... Because I upgraded everything on my ship on No right. Man's Sky that I am... I can take on, like, seven or eight dudes and not even get touched basically right. um so but this dog fighting is much is more intense it's uh, a little more to do in terms of you know keeping on top of your targets um there's obviously more weapons you can use there's the cannons and all and then of course there's cap ship stuff that you end up having to deal with and a lot of that's really cool and then there's there's moments this of course you have to have turret sections so there's moments where your you know your co-pilot takes control and you just and you just man shoot. the guns yeah um, which is fun, you know. There's some, some like Star Warsian moments in that. That's cool. I like that you like manually take off and you land mm-hmm. on your own. Like it's not just like some cinema where it yeah. just takes over and it lands it for you. Like, yeah, but there's also like there's a lot of thought putting out. Like when you land on the on the carrier, there's like a you know augmented reality like guide 
thing that, that guides you down the runway. Right, and then yeah. so you go Which down, you also know is going right. to be a part of the tech. Right. right. And you go far enough down the runway and this little robot thing comes in and, and it's like, okay, we've got you the rest of the way. And it clamps onto you and like slows guides you down you and in, automatically yeah. guides you in. And it loads... It loads the the ship the the fighters. It loads them like face to face to the side because like that's the most space efficient way, way to, to store them, yeah. which is great because it's like again, there's so much thought put into how this all works. It really is crazy. And it's, it's I like I really like what's happening in it. It's and I I never you know I'm not someone who likes to gush about the Call of Duty stuff because I haven't cared about it yeah. in years, but I'm really impressed with what they did. Here. It is a finely crafted, polished game. Yeah. Across the board. Not just the campaign, but zombies yeah. and multiplayer. Like I said, I'm not a huge it, fan of the way multiplayer is set up, but there's mm-hmm. no denying that it's and it doesn't, very polished. I don't feel like it's um I don't feel like it's talking down to me. I don't, yeah, feel, yeah. I don't feel like it's dumbed down. I don't, I don't feel like it's a dumb game. Yeah, for know? sure. And sometimes like you kinda get that like, oh it's a bro game, it's a dude bro game. It's like I feel like they're 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 playing it pretty pretty above board for the most part so far i think you know i think people who are more fans of the more traditional call of duties are gonna have issues with it yeah because this doesn't fulfill i mean i already know a couple of my friends have been like ah it's, you know it doesn't it doesn't scratch that breach and clear itch yeah I, and it know, doesn't i, I want to kick a door down and kill terrorists i don't want to fight robots in in a starship you know i'm like yeah, yeah if that's what you're at you're not gonna you know, but you know you're, what? If you're, Call of Duty, you're, you're going to want to go more Battlefield One on this yeah, one yeah. Uh, this, this year. If but, Call of Duty had stayed like that, though, right, it would have been a disaster. For How the many franchise. times can you really do that? The other thing is like the breaching in this game is different. Yeah, and it's also more realistic because apparently this is how breaching is done now more. Like whereas like it used to be kind of the whole like everybody stacks up, you kick the door down, everybody freaks out and runs in and blows everything up. But apparently now in this game, it's apparently that's that's the current procedure is you sort of peek in, somebody else like looks through the crack of the hinge, like you try to get a, a, an idea of what's in the room as and much you can as possible before you yeah. jump in, and then like you can decide in the game, you can decide. Uh, to shoot through the crack to kick the door open and you know you know blow things away like you, or you slowly know, push it open even or slowly come in they won't even see you like, yeah. yeah and you can use some melee take some guys out and then open fire down down the down the way again a lot more freedom in how you approach these things whereas like you know they, these moments used to feel much more scripted in yeah. the old games to me I'm really I love the campaign in this game I'm like I'm it having a, a blast with it I, um, so I was even you know, I have not finished uh, Titanfall 2's campaign which is really really good it is really good too yeah but I'm kind of liking this one a little better um, and I'll tell you I why don't know. I like each for different reasons. yeah but I'll tell you why uh, and that's the, uh, the the main thing that has been uh, bugging me about Titanfall 2 because I hadn't played it when we talked about it last week right, right. it wasn't out yet yeah. I didn't have an advanced copy Um there's a lot of cool stuff in Titanfall 2's cutscenes. Oh yeah, that in no way resemble what it's like to play Titanfall. 2. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Um, it's it's the uh, it's the Halo problem that I think I've mentioned before. Where it's like the, the the Titans in Titanfall 2 are doing spins and sword fighting and you know sliding down and knocking their feet out from each other. And it's like and, it, and like when you play it, it's just like mm, mm, you know, it's like there's no yeah there is no flexibility in how those no, fights right. play out. Yeah. And like I feel like I'm. I'm watching a way cooler thing than what I'm actually playing, and Infinite Warfare is doing so far a much better job of letting me be actually playing the cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so that is why I think I'm having a better time with it in that regard. Um, Titanfall 2 is great. There's a ton of inventive stuff, and you were right. There's some hard platforming in that thing. Oh, yeah. Like they, like they make you, they teach you how to use all of the mobility stuff in that game. 
really well. Yeah. Um, and in that that way, it's a it's a great training campaign for the multiplayer. Um, I certainly, before I jumped into multiplayer on that game, after playing like half the campaign, I felt like I was way more prepared than I would have been otherwise. Yeah. Um, but Infinite Warfare has shown me some stuff I have not considered before, and I, I dig it. Here's the big quandary, though. Do I recommend that people buy the game? Mm-hmm. It came out today. Some people may have already just jumped in and done it. Um, Especially because how long is this campaign? It's not very about long. Four, another it's four, the five same hour. length as every Call of Duty campaign. Okay. Um, so like six, five, six, depending on your skill level, seven, mm-hmm. depending on what difficulty you set it Add on. Add a couple hours if you're Michael Pactor. Yeah, <laughs> or more. <laughs> <laughs> That, but, that, that was a fun moment in, yeah, the, yeah. in the Pactor Factor this weekend. Yeah, that was the end of the show excerpt, yeah. right? Where he <laughs> talks about Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, I, it's honestly hard for me to recommend for someone to buy this game. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it because, like I said, I'm enjoying this campaign more than I've enjoyed a campaign in Call of Duty in quite some time. But normally when I recommend that people buy a Call of Duty, it's because I feel like the multiplayer is going to be something that they're going to get months and months of play out of. And... I just don't see it with this one. I, uh, especially for people who have already played Black Ops 3 to death, and it's unfortunate that Black Ops 3 was the last game that came out. You know, it's the last Call of like, Duty. There's not really any reason to move on. If there was some kind of a buffer in between the two, a game in between where it maybe it did things a little differently, I think I'd be a lot more open to coming back to this style of multiplayer gameplay, but... It just feels like Black Ops 3 with new maps and a couple new weapons and a couple new gizmos. And, you know, if you're a hardcore Call of Duty player, you're going to buy it no matter what. Whatever I say is not going to change your mind. It's not going to affect whether you go and you purchase it or not. But there's a lot of people who have been interested in this game where they haven't been interested in Call of Duty. I've seen it all over Sifted. People being like, man, you know, I haven't played Call of Duty in a while, but Mm. I'm really interested in this one. And it's the first time I've cared in in years. And so... Certainly me. Yeah, I mean, you're a perfect example of that. And also, you are having a great time with the campaign. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to recommend that somebody buys a, a, a game that if they're only going to play the campaign and maybe a little bit of zombies and not enjoy multiplayer that much for 60 bucks. Like, mm-hmm. $60 for 10 hours, to me, that's a tough sell. Um, and look, I'll end up playing the multiplayer. You know, it'll just be one of those mm-hmm. things that I pick up and play every once in a while. But honestly, like... You know, I've got Battlefield 1, Titanfall 2, Infinite Warfare, all sitting there right now loaded on my PlayStation 4. And when I finish this review, it's going to be interesting for me to be like, which one do I want to play online? If someone someone is like, look, one way or the other, I'm buying a shooter this fall. And here's how I... Which which one? Here's how I would lean. So I would say if you're kind of the person that you were talking about earlier who kind of likes that clear and breach stuff... First of all, you should probably just tell them to get Rainbow Six Siege right. for cheap. Because yeah. <laughs> that's probably their best value that they're going to find. Mm-hmm. But if they're looking to buy a new shooter from Q4, I would say if they're into the clear and breach, get Battlefield 1. It's certainly a much more grounded, more typical, more militaristic style first-person shooter. More down and dirty. Yeah. And if you're looking for like something a little more high-paced, something a little more futuristic, a little sci-fi, I honestly recommend Titanfall 2. I just... I think it's the more complete game. I guess the one caveat I would say there is if you're a big fan of Call of Duty Zombies, or maybe mm-hmm. even if you haven't played it for a few years but you liked it before, uh, the Zombies mode in this, it's kind of the same thing as far mm-hmm. as the gameplay is concerned. Again, as Black Ops 3. The tone of it is entirely different. It's almost like this cartoon-type aesthetic that they have, which is a little weird, but at this point I think they're just trying to mix it up. But mm-hmm. honestly, I think in purchase order, I would go... 
Titanfall 2, Battlefield 1, Call of Duty. See, I think I would go reverse of that. Oh, yeah? Um, well, not actually not reverse. I think I would go Call of Duty, Titanfall 2, Battlefield 1. Wow. Because, and the only reason I would say Battle, uh, Call of Duty first over the other two is because, um, in particular, Titanfall 2, uh, Call of Duty games don't drop in price very, yeah. very quick. So my, so my suggestion, if you just want the camp, you just want a great campaign, I would say get call, get a physical copy of Call of Duty, play through the campaign, and sell it back while it still has some value. Yeah, you can do that, or you can just go to Redbox. That too. That too. <laughs> Honestly, that's what I would recommend. I never think about Redbox. The, Red Box, I, the only reason I do, the Redboxes here are always out of everything. The reason I do is because the grocery store that I go to, that's right across the street from where I live, has a huge Redbox like right in front mm. of it. So every time I go in, I'm like, oh, there's Redbox. Yeah, there's Redbox at my Ralph's, but it's like they never have anything. Well, they always so. put like the stickers for the latest games on the front mm. so i always like look i'm like oh there's mafia 3 is now at red box or whatever and mafia i three is a good red boxer that's for, I, has, bet they, I bet they have that yeah yeah but call <laughs> of duty's perfect because yeah. the campaign's five or six hours long and yeah maybe you, you just want to dabble if you can find a way to pay like 10 15 bucks for the thing just to get just to play the campaign totally worth it yeah and i was and, you know this you know just the way activision rolls the thing's still gonna be 50 bucks in a year it so. will be yeah whereas like i think titanfall and battlefield one might see some price drops in the next six months yeah, I mean, you never really see deals on Call of Duty games. No, never. Like, never. They're like Nintendo. Like, they just never mm-hmm. reduce the Activision doesn't do that, period. I mean, F- Transformers Fall of Cybertron came out, what, 2011, 2012? Yeah. Around there? It's still 50 bucks on Steam. <laughs> like, it goes on sale. You know, it drops, like, you know, you can get, like, War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron for, like, you know, eight bucks together yeah. during the Steam sale. But, you know, the normal price is 50 bucks. I mean, their, their Deadpool game is still 40 bucks on Steam. Yeah. And it drops, you know, periodically. But it's like, Activision does not drop prices of old games, especially uh, licensed stuff. But, like, in general, Activision thinks their games are worth a lot of money. Yeah. I guess the one thing I would say, too, is that if someone who hasn't played Call of Duty in a long time, they may actually really love the multiplayer. Yeah. Because if you haven't played it in three or four games, this multiplayer is going to feel like something completely new. new to you. And they may love it. But I'm, I've kind of... It's not that I've soured on it. I'm just... You've I've, done it. I've done it. I've been there. I've done that. And you know, after playing you know, Advanced Warfare, which still has the most advanced traversal in any Call of Duty game, and going kind of backwards with Black Ops 3, and then with this one being basically the same, it's kind of hard for me to recommend. But look, if you haven't been picking up Call of Duties all along... This is going to blow your freaking mind, probably, the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, it probably is worth the 60 bucks. I'm just speaking from my personal experience. Um, but yeah, I'm really loving the campaign in this. I would say Infinity Ward is back. It's way better than Ghosts. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should have said that right off the top. It's way better than Ghosts. Yeah. It's way better than Modern Warfare 3. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I didn't is. like Modern Warfare 3 all that Yeah, much. I didn't really either. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It did not it, feel but... like it was made by the same Infinity yeah, Ward. Yeah, and it really wasn't. No, but I think it feels like they've found their feet again. It feels like one. they finally restocked their studio with talent. Yeah. And you can see it. I mean, uh... Now, I think Titanfall 2's campaign also feels like it's made by the people who made those great old games. Oh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, you can tell that, the, that, you know, when you're playing Titanfall, you're doing some stuff where you can tell that... You're in the hands of some masters on that. Um, I wish it was longer. I wish there was more to it. Um, and I wish there was a little more freedom in how the Titans played based on how uh, clearly how the cinematics team thinks right. uh, they function. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, I feel like there's some, some room there to, for Titanfall 3. Because EA said they want to make 100 more of them or whatever. But right. like, make Titanfall 3, like, think about maybe making those things a little more agile in gameplay the way they are in the cinematics. Yep. Whereas... Uh, 
like uh, Call of Duty. Call of Duty is like a return to form for me. Not that I really touched the other, the previous few, because everybody was warning me off of ghosts, and everybody said Advanced Warfare was like fine. Yeah. And Black Ops, I never liked the Black Ops games. I, for whatever reason, Black Ops One, I just wasn't interested. Black Ops Two, just I don't care about whatever that premise, whatever. Which is too bad because like the like the 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 branching stuff in Black Ops Two seemed really cool, but I just could not. I think Black Ops Two is the best Call of Duty game ever. I liked it more than Modern Warfare, Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare. I hear that from a, from a lot of people. Like I know, feel like Treyarch took a huge step back with Black Ops Three, like huge. Like there are so many features that were in Black Ops Two that were completely absent in Black Ops 3. It makes no sense to me. So, I don't know. We should probably move on, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at this point you probably got a good idea whether you should buy it or not. I feel like we've probably approached it from every angle, from every type of player. Um, I would even say maybe give this game a shot if you're not even really that much of a fan of first-person shooters. Because mm-hmm. it does kind of transcend... There, I mean, you do a lot of stuff in this game that's not shooting. Yeah. Like, you play for huge stretches of the game without ever firing a gun which is completely out of the ordinary. We didn't even talk about the mothership and how mm-hmm. it's like this huge hub for you and Yeah, there's there's like this is not your standard just like walk through mission 1 2 3 4 5 yeah. Call of Duty campaign. Like there's yeah. they're trying to break the mold a little bit on this and I think they succeed. Yeah, for sure. So far from what I've seen. Like it's yep. And I and I was very pleased. I was very nicely surprised by that. I did not expect them to do something like that. And because like you know, even when I saw that original, you know, the trailer stuff, I'm like, it'd be cool if you could kind of be at like you know, you know, on the con at the at the at the mother, you know, the, the carrier, and sort of like plan your next move and decide where to go next. And like you can, yeah. like it's there. Like, like yeah. they actually did the cool thing as opposed to just sort of like. You know, every once in a like, you go to a thing, have a. Con- I thought it was gonna be like, go to the go to the, the bridge, have a conversation, go to the next mission. No, huh? And no, there's, there's a lot of freedom to that. There's even like a map, for screen, Call of Duty like game. a holographic map yeah. screen that you use to plot out like where yeah. you want to go. And it, like I said, it, it's, it's a great scratch, campaign. It scratches a Mass Effect itch a little <laughs> it bit. It does a little bit. A it while. has a little like bit of that vibe to it. It feels like you're in a world. You're in a campaign. You're in a world, not just like you know, railroading down a. I mean, once, you're in, once you pick what to do, you go down that cattle shoot. But yeah, like, yeah. you get to pick which cattle shoot you right, go down. Right, exactly. It's like a big water slide park. <laughs> With branching yeah. paths. Oh, a branching water slide path. That's dangerous. Be a bad idea. <laughs> really bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to the next topic. This is a fun little story. So today, Nintendo announced that it, for in honor of its... Uh, new NES micro console, it is opening back up the Nintendo Power Lines <laughs> for how, a weekend. How, how much per minute? What'd you say? How much is it per minute? I think it's free. I don't think you have oh, to pay okay. this time, other than it's long distance charge. I don't I think it's not an 800 number, which is a little weird. But who pays long distance with cell phones today anyway? Right. So, But what do you think about that, Matt? Matt, did you ever call the Nintendo Power Line back in the day? <laughs> no. Never? No. Not once? No. I called it. I didn't. I, I looked it up in VG and CE or whatever. I looked, oh, yeah. I looked stuff up in magazines or beat my head against them for days on end until I figured it out, usually. Because, like, well, for one thing, like, if I'd ever done that, my dad would have killed me. Like, we were not allowed to call, like, the 976 stuff and the 1900s. Like, all that stuff was verboten. No phone sex for you as no, a young lad. No, not at all. <laughs> but even, you know, they used to do that thing where it's like, call 976 Joe and you can hear Duke give you a special message and like win right. like whatever for G.I. Joe. And it's like, nope. Like $20 shows up on your phone bill. Yeah, it's like, you know, five ninety nine for the first minute. You're just yeah, like, yeah. no. <laughs> and uh, people, people that, kids today don't know about all that, all that stuff in the, in the 90s um, uh, 
1-800-COLLECT-WARS. Oh, you know, yeah, the, right, like, yeah. When we were in college, it was just yeah, like every... collect You know how often insurance ads happen now? When we were in college, that many ads per break was like, call this number to save money on a collect phone call. Like, yeah. The pre-cell phone days were... And it's like, you. Always, I always wanted someone to go back and make like a documentary or some kind of investigative thing about like how that happened and why it happened. Is it like... Why was there such a reason to spend that much money on national advertising for like a bunch of cheapskates to save like a quarter on a frickin' phone call? Like, how was yeah, yeah. that possibly worth it? But like, yeah, I never called stuff like that just because my dad was very strict about that. I mean, I, so I think some of my friends. Every once in a while, I think one of my friends would like be on stuck on something and call. I think one of my friends called for um, uh, God, what it was something in Dragon Warrior Three. Like he d- couldn't figure out where to go or something. And I, oh, I, had, I had one friend who like called about. It's an insane idea. He that called, Nintendo he, ever did this? Oh yeah, by the but way. he called Think constantly. About this. He called constantly to, because of uh, <laughs> Zelda. Like he had no idea where he didn't have the manual for Zelda, so he yeah. didn't know where any of the dungeons were. Yeah. So he'd call to find out where the next dungeon was. Just think about how crazy that is. That must have cost like half to... the mu- price of the game. First of all, that. the first time I called the Nintendo power line, I called it. A human picked up the phone, and I got so scared I hung up. <laughs> You still got charged, though. I did. <laughs> I never dreamed there'd be a human, and they're like, hello? Yeah, and I'm a, like, what? And I just oh hung boy, up. Oh, boy, you got a Nintendo game counselor <laughs> on the other line. And then the next time I called, I ended up sitting on the phone with them for like a half an hour. <laughs> it's in, It was insane. Think about this, though. Think about a modern publisher, which Nintendo actually is kind of doing now. But think about a modern publisher like Activision having like... This bank of people sitting on a phone waiting to give you, like, strategy guide help. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember I sat there on the phone with this guy for 30 minutes, and I was like, well, you know, you make the left here, and then you go up over this ladder, and... and he's like, oh, which ladder? It, it's insane that they hired people to do this. What a pre-internet era. I, you know, that was kind of how you had to do it. <laughs> it's crazy. But it's like, look, you know, that was also back in the day when Nintendo was very careful and, and concerned about customer experience. Yeah. You know, when the Nintendo seal of quality meant something beyond, like, you know, we looked at this. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. You know, it was, the you know, as they would have said uh, in the in the early mid-2000s, the Nintendo difference. Yeah. Like, when they said that slogan, I thought it was bullshit at the time because yeah. there wasn't a whole huge difference other than, like, you're not as impressive as the other companies. Uh, <laughs> but when, I, when they would say Nintendo difference, it would make me think of the NES days when... They were really concerned about your experience, and you had the power line, you had Nintendo Power, you had, um, you know, a very conscious attempt to outreach to, you know, the people that the kids who played these games. And do you it, think Nintendo's training like all these people to actually answer questions about these games? Or do you think I, it's just like a funny thing where they're like, "Yeah, hey, it's Nintendo Power if Line." I, if look, I think Nintendo is probably bringing in the same people they used to demo the stuff at E3. Probably. I mean, those people, Nintendo's E3 booth people are trained on a level that is just unheard of for any other But wait, place. is the power line, though, for just for the NES support, or is it for any Nintendo game? I don't know. I, I, I would think figure, it's just for the NES. I figure it's just the NES. Yeah. What if they're bringing back, like, original... Like, 90-year-old yeah, like, <laughs> like, guys who did it when they were 20 in 1986, and yeah. they're back, and they're all in their 50s, but they still remember how to finish Bionic Commando. You yeah. Know, like, that would be kind of awesome. Yeah. I just think it's really cool. There used to be like profiles in Nintendo Power and stuff about how to be a game counselor and what a day in the life of a Nintendo yeah, game yeah. counselor and stuff like that. It was like the dream job for a lot of people at the time. Yeah, not anymore. Though. Did not exist very long, but no. 
There was a there was a, there was a moment in time. Yeah, but I uh, I just wanted to talk about this because I think this thing is really cool. I love when these big corporations cool actually kind of reach out to the community and do something special like this. So and it's I think it's also a very important time right now for Nintendo to remember it's themselves, fans. yeah, their fans, they the fans, and who they were, right, and who they might be again, and maybe remind some of the people what Nintendo used to be as well. Yeah, because I think some people. Their minds may have drifted away from that Nintendo difference you were talking mm-hmm. about. All right, let's go to the next topic. So, Pactor, who's always wrong. Right. Right. Wrong. Wrong. Who's always wrong. Right. According to everybody who watches Pactor Factor it's on YouTube. Paid an obscene and, amount of money by a major anal- analysis corporation to be wrong. And according to NeoGAF, always wrong. And YouTube, always wrong. Yet, honestly, he's like always right. And here's a case where, once again, he was right. Uh, a couple months ago, one of the questions on Pactor if he, Factor. If he was only right half the time or less, like you can get that, you can get that out of a. Then coin. you get us. Well, no, <laughs> you can get that out of a coin flip, and you don't have yeah. to pay a coin. Right, right. So, so a few months ago, somebody asked him a question. Uh, coming up for Q4, which games do you think are in danger of selling poorly? And immediately, he zeroed in on Watch Dogs Two, and lo and behold. Ubisoft's earning call, earnings call this week, they went on record saying that pre-orders for Watch Dogs 2 are well below expectations. Mm. Does this surprise you at all, Matt? Not particularly because... Because Pactor told you it was going to happen. Not because Pactor told me it was going to happen, <laughs> but because Watch Dogs 1 was sort of in a unique position yeah. where there was nothing else around it. You know, it came out in, what was it, May? Was it March or May? Like, spring after the new, after PlayStation 4 and Xbox One launched. Because um, it got delayed. It was supposed to be a launch title. It got delayed. And it had no competition. And it was the only thing to play on your system at the time. I didn't actually buy it at the time. I waited till the price dropped yeah. that fall. I think a lot of people did, um, actually. But it sold extremely well it because did. there was nothing else to didn't do. Didn't it sell, like, 10 million or something Oh, yeah. Like it, was, that? it was their it was best. Huge. It was their best-selling new IP, beating Assassin's Creed, until The Division. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. The ne- Also, like, I think a lot of people came away from that game being like, eh. Yeah. You know, That's exactly how I thought fine. of playing it. I'm it like... Was, did I? I honestly found you could have just called that game "Open World Ubisoft Game," and yeah. it would have been perfectly accurate. I honestly felt a little bit like I had wasted a lot of my time playing that game. Yeah, it was one of those games I finished, and I was like, I felt a little dirty after I got done with well, it. Well, it's also sort of like um, like Roger Ebert used to say, like you know, when you really want to measure how how a movie mattered to you, like you know. Take stock of everything you took into the theater with yourself, and 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 decide if you're taking anything else w- out with you, or how you've changed, like in how you carry that with you out of the theater, kind yeah. of thing. And playing, like I feel like I would have been the exact same person, one way or the other, having played or not played Watch Dogs. Yeah, it had no impact on me whatsoever. It was hugely disappointing to me, mm-hmm. based upon how excited I was after seeing the E3 demos and all the trailers that it put out. It was just a far more dull and drab game than I had thought it was going to be. Also, terrible protagonist. Yeah, really distasteful human being. But I don't, you know what, I honestly don't care about the protagonist in this one either, man. No, but, like, hopefully he's not a monster, because Aiden Pierce is a terrible person. Yeah. Like, and I don't just mean the fact that he's stealing money from people on the street with his hacking device. I mean that, like, he gets his niece killed, he puts the rest right. of his sister's family in danger, his sister has to leave Chicago at the end of the game to, like, 
be protected or whatever, and then he stays in Chicago and is like the hacker king or something. Like, he's just a dick through the whole thing. And I don't understand where I was supposed to get... I don't understand why I was supposed to want to wear this guy's iconic hat. Yeah. You know? So your, th- your thinking is is that a lot of people were burned by the first, wa- first watchdogs and they're not as willing to jump in early on this one. I think that's part of it, and I think it's also just they've got other things to play this, this fall. I mean, I honestly... The biggest draw on this game for me... Is San, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. Because sure. I live there, and I want to see, like, just exactly how accurately they've recreated yeah. the city. If but... this game did not take place in San Francisco, I would not be buying it at launch. Yeah. Period. Like, yeah. like that's what's got me interested, is how this beautiful recreation of this city that I grew up in. So on the heels of this whole thing with Bethesda, about them not sending out early review code, blah, 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 we talked about it last week on the show, this is probably an example of a game where... If the journalists get it early, and by all indications we are getting it early, I should be getting it in the next day or two, which is good because it comes out in like a week. By all indications, we'll have reviews up before the game comes out. This could be a case where the journalists turn around the sales for this game. Mm-hmm. Because if right, it's good. Right. But, you know, this could be a case where you give it to the journalists early, it could have an impact on your bottom line for Ubisoft. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bethesda will pay attention to this. Or it could confirm that it's mediocre and everybody should just you know keep playing Call of Duty. Exactly. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. But uh, and then you've got the PC version launching like two was it two weeks after uh, the console version? Yeah, it was delayed by two weeks. I mean, which at least for now only two weeks. It could be right. Who right knows? now, the, but right now it's the 29th, and at least it's uh, they're it, apparently because they're adding a bunch of PC centric features, which Ubisoft has been historically terrible with their PC ports for many years. So it's nice to see them at least you know paying attention. Um, but if this thing gets bad, you know, reviews and bad word of mouth from the console releases, I wonder if the PC, ver- you know, I'm, I'm worried about the PC version just because of the PC version undersells because PC players notice that like, uh, you know, people who already played it aren't really jazzed on it. It, um, you know, the sales become soft. And what if Ubisoft decides to take that as like, oh, well, people don't want these special PC features. We should always rush it out along with the console version because otherwise we won't sell as many. Watching the TV spots for this game, I can just see most people being like, what the hell is that game? They don't seem to know how to push it, this thing. But how do you push it? I it's don't like know. an open world game about like hackers. Like... Yeah. But it's also <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like at least with GTA, you can show a bunch of crazy stunts and some gunplay and some cool stuff. And people but get like, it. But, but in this, it's, it's just like, like people like, like hopping this, over like, a fence and running and like right. You and can't like, see a lot of their faces. Their faces are always covered up. And like, everybody, like, it really has this sort of like. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the game has sort of like a like a you know, screw the man sort of like. Oh yeah, know, totally. Like you know, you know, like definitely like stick it to the you know venture capitalist Silicon Valley elite kind of yeah. thing going on, but. I think the advertising campaign is making it seem like it's going like rah rah about that yeah. kind of stuff, and people seem very turned off about anything that isn't Tesla in that space right now. Yeah. So I think this is a tough sell. I, th- I think it's. Do you think it's going to bomb, Matt? I don't think it's going to bomb, but I think it's going to underperform. I know Ubisoft said they're not too worried about the pre-order thing because digital purchases are so prevalent now, which yeah. is like, but people still pre-order digitally. So what are you talking about? Um, but I, I just don't, I don't see it competing alongside these, frankly, 800-pound gorillas competition, yeah. that have just come out ahead of it. And they are all shooters, though. They are. I just realized, like, yesterday, I was like, I have been doing nothing but shooting stuff for the last, mm. like, three or four weeks straight. Like, literally, all I do is shoot, and then Gears as well. Like, I've played all three of these shooters in Gears, and it's like, all I've done is shoot guns for, mm-hmm. like, the last three weeks Well, of the other life. thing is, like, I mean, the open world thing is attractive, but you know what? Like, 
everybody I know is doing right now, playing Skyrim. Yeah, I know. And like the idea of jump, I didn't even intend to, but jump the idea of jumping off Skyrim to play Watch Dogs Two, if I didn't need to talk about it on the show, mm-mm. yeah, probably not. Yeah, eventually because of the, I want to see San Francisco, but I wouldn't be in any hurry. And uh, and also like, I kind of want to wait for the PC version, but you know, because it should look really yeah. amazing. Yeah, but like. What are you gonna do? You know, we we, we got to do it. We got to talk about. It. We got we got to play it. That's right. All right, let's um, move on. So. so here's an interesting way for a game to get leaked. Usually, it's like a, a LinkedIn profile where an artist puts his portfolio up there, or someone just says something on Twitter mm-hmm. or an interview. The new Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, was leaked because one of the developers was on a train in Montreal and had his laptop open with all the files and someone was sitting next to him who loved video games took a snapshot saw what they were looking at yeah, yeah. that's ubisoft style that is yeah that's <laughs> usually well that's how, definitely a syndicate leak i think unity and syndicate Isn't yeah that was on an airplane like somebody had like yeah, a yeah. tablet or a laptop open and someone yep. saw it um cool yeah I mean, the the thing that I thought was Shadow uh, of the Tomb Raider. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I thought what was interesting was uh, the follow up rumors were that um, it's Ubisoft, it's Idis uh, um, uh, Montreal, not Crystal Dynamics, yep. doing it, which is, hmm. I mean, I, I think Crystal Dynamics has done very well on Tomb Raider and yeah. Rise of the Tomb Raider. In For fact, sure. I, I just replayed the original Tomb Raider. Uh, Wait, the first on, one? The first one, not not the '90s one, but oh, the okay. reboot. Okay. Because uh, I, I got it in a bundle on uh, on Steam, and uh, I love that. I love that game. I, I don't even know why. I it's even, great. I didn't even realize I did until probably like I played the director's cut, the definitive really? version on PS4. Oh, I loved it the first time. But I played, man, like I played through that game three three full times. It's amazing. It's, I like, love it. I, I will go on you know a record again as saying that game got robbed by a lot of critics back when it came out. Yeah. I don't know why, but a lot of people were kind of sour on it, man. I I loved it the very first time. I actually enjoyed. The reboot more than Rise of the Tomb Raider, even though Rise of the mm-hmm. Tomb Raider really is the better game. I just enjoyed it because it was like this whole fresh new perspective on yeah. this character that I had loved for so long. Well, I think I mean I like Rise a lot as well, um, but the I think it's kind of I think it's an Arkham Asylum, Arkham City thing. Like yeah. the first one is a more focused right. kind of contained like game that like really knows what it wants to do and the second one is a more open kind of expansive experience yeah and whereas i like arkham city better because it's the batman experience uh to i think tomb raider really worked better in that sort of confined metroid space rather than the open i mean rise of the tomb raider isn't super open but like different locations traveling the world everything's uh, you know a little more spread out and a little more global Whereas, like, being confined to that island in the first one, like, just really worked. Well, I felt like the first reboot, Tomb Raider, stayed closer to the original idea. Now, like, with Rise of the Tomb Raider, it feels like the franchise is turning into every other open-world game. And maybe that's why Mm -hmm. the first reboot is a little more near and dear to my heart than Rise. But Rise is still an incredible game. And uh, it is a little disconcerting that they have a new developer working on it. Maybe they're just tired of how long it takes Crystal Dynamics to get the games done. Yeah, I mean, I could see them sort of doing the basically the, the Arkham Origins thing with this, where like you have somebody in Montreal make make an interim Once again. game. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Poor Montreal. Montreal is where you go to make a third. Make title, other people's basically. games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where's so, Shadow of Mordor two? Anything in particular that you would want to see in Shadow of the Tomb Raider? 
Uh, no. I mean, I mean, like, just new places, new ruins, new weird... You know, I think they pretty much got this thing nailed down. Yeah. How it should be. I wouldn't mind if this one was maybe all in one location, like the first one. Yeah. I mean, you can have it be, like, an open thing. You know, little, you know more open areas, like Witcher, Witcher 2 style, maybe. Um, but, like... I wouldn't mind if it was more like a Lara's trapped in a particular place and, like, the story focuses on her dealing with that location more than, like, go to place, find out thing, go to next place, find out thing. You know, kind of like, I'd say, do Metroid over Uncharted yeah. kind of thing, you know? I wanted to go back, because the other thing I say about the difference between Tomb Raider Reboot and Rise of the Tomb Raider is that the reboot is far grittier than Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Like, there were moments... There was like those Call of Duty moments in the first one where you're forced to do stuff where you're like, oh, like, I don't know if I feel right about that. And things happen in the game that make you feel uneasy. And I felt like Rise of the Tomb Raider kind of played it a little bit more safe in that regard. Mm. Like, there were still, you know, moments here and there. But I just felt like Lara was more of a badass and put in more compromising situations in the first one. I think I think Rise does a good job of, I, you know, there's not as much of that in Rise, but I think it's because Rise is trying to portray her as seasoned now right. and like she can handle this stuff because, not quite as vulnerable because the well because the first game does a pretty good job of you know the, the character you start with is not the character you end with right and that's a very satisfying thing i think yeah um rise she's sort of already become her but the thing is like i'd like to see them move her a little further towards the lara croft from the original games where she was a little more cheeky cheeky she was a little more haughty about like she yeah. she'd done it all and she was kind of like she had no patience for sort of the, the i think they're going that direction get, yeah i mean she I, was I, the amateur in the reboot right, right? But she I, was and, the and in rise she's really kind of gotten a handle on how things work i would like to see her become more of that like i am the pro and everybody should you know listen to me and if you're not going to listen to me i'm just going to do it my own way yeah. and go screw yourself um i'd like to see her become that because i think um there's narrative potential to build her up into that character and then tear her down again. I wonder, too, if because this new studio is making this game, if it might be, like, a prequel or set way off into the future so that Crystal Dynamics can actually mm. keep making the games in, sort of in this timeline and lineage. I, I, could, I could potentially see it... Because um... Shadow of the Tomb Raider makes you think that it's, like... Mm. She's in the past, or something like that. Like, Shadow, well, again, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Or she's didn't paying ma- for things that as she's a done. title. Rise of the Tomb Raider didn't make any damn sense either. So, yeah. like, I mean, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I would, I would guess, um, is one of two things. Either it could be set between the reboot and Rise, um, and deal with her trying to live up to her father, right. Shadow of the Father, right. kind of thing. Uh, and that has the, been a big theme throughout yeah. both. Games. The other thing of of it that I would say it might be is it might be a sequel. You know, after the other two, and uh, it could be about the fact that her reputation kind of precedes her now. And Shadow of the Tomb Raider would be sort of this thing where, like, you kind of, I'm thinking sort of like uh, in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where the Grail defenders go after Indy, like, as a pre, as kind of an interception method, where, like, maybe some group, like, thinks that she's eventually going to come after this thing, and maybe she doesn't even intend to, but she starts getting attacked. But it's a little similar to how Rise worked early on, where, you know, people were starting to break into her place and steal stuff or try to kill her and stuff. I mean, that happens to her a lot. It's just sort of a hazard of the job. 
which I guess her job would be like what is her fictional job? adventure <laughs> magic archaeologist. Does she, have a, Does she have a job? <laughs> well, she's independently wealthy, so I guess she does whatever she wants. But you know, like it, that's how we think of archaeology in fiction, as opposed yeah. to like you know, you know, you just go to Mongolia and sweat for six months while you dig up tiny little pieces of pottery. That's what that, that <laughs> that's what that actually is. It's very exciting to have you find a series of small walls. Yeah. Um, she doesn't find small walls. She finds giant cyclopean walls that you can climb. Yeah. And uh, but I would like to see some, maybe something like that, where like you know. She's become famous in sort of the underworld mystical circles, sort of like maybe like a Doctor Strange thing where it's like, oh, like, you know, well, you open this door, so now you have to be part, you know, kind of she has to sort of accept that she's part of this crazy world now and they are going to come for her periodically. And, well, it's like, well, as long as these monk guys are trying to kill you, you might as well get their sacred artifact, right? Yeah. It belongs in a museum. Is it too soon? Not so me. look, we're just now getting like the PS4 version of Rise of the Tomb Raider mm-hmm. and the PS4 Pro version, which is what we've been showing in the footage. Well, I mean, what, we can what presume that like this is like a next year thing, maybe. Probably, like, yeah. Next fall, yeah. Presumably not exclusive to anything. Yeah, definitely multi-platform yeah. this time. I think um, safe assumption. I don't think it's. I don't think. I mean, not too soon for me. I mean, I'll. I just played this one again. I kind of. You know, I'm waiting for the holidays to die down to play Rise on PC because uh, I played it on Xbox One and I want to see it super pretty on. PC now, and uh, I honestly can play these games a lot over and over. It seems. Yeah. I, I dig them, so yeah, give give me another one, especially if you're not going to give me another Shadow of Mordor. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's talk about BlizzCon 2016. I think a lot of people were hoping there was some rumors swirling around we might get Diablo 4. But those rumors were crazy. They were. So. That is crazy. Yeah, I I did not. I didn't that believe that was going to happen either. It's like I was pretty much expecting exactly what we got. Yeah, I mean Diablo Four. We're probably not going to see that for like another five years. I'm if, guessing. Yeah, if then. <laughs> if then. Yeah. Like, there's other uh... Diablo Three is barely half a decade old. What do you want? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Blizzard doesn't move at the same pace as Ubisoft, folks. Yeah, it's like we won't see the next Starcraft for another ten no. years, probably. Who knows? That was a rumor. I was a little disappointed because there was rumors of Starcraft One HD remix or something yeah that i was sort of hoping might be real but it is a little disappointing though that there was not a single new game announced yeah but that's sort of blizzard isn't it i don't know it seems like the last they just put a game out this year easy (laughs) easy come on it just seems like the last three or four blizzcons there has been a new game at least shown for the first time you know hearthstone and then you went to heroes of the storm and then you had overwatch overwatch and and the starcraft expansion yeah and Reaper Souls, I think, a little bit before that, yeah, a couple yeah. Of years before that. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a low-key uh, BlizzCon, but let's also not forget that the real thrust of uh, Blizzard right now is probably in the Overwatch department, and they, yeah. you know... Look, I'm not a huge Overwatch... I'm not, a, I'm not playing Overwatch anymore, but the, my girlfriend and other people who are super Overwatch devotees, like, they're thrilled today. So, apparently they did it right. Yep, so we're at, going out of order a little bit, but so they announced a new map today and a new character for mm. Overwatch. Um, Sombra. Sombra. What is her class? She is, um, I don't actually know what the class is, but she can, do, she can hack other players and lock right. out their abilities temporarily. She can uh, shut down the enemy's like, health stations. Uh, she, can, she can do a lot of crazy like, support stuff. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that one of the other things they announced is that uh, in quick play, you're only going to be able to play one of each hero on a team, because I think multiple Sombras on a team would be a very bad idea. 
That but, would be kind of mind-bending, though. I mean, you can still do that in arcade mode or right. whatever it is. But quick play is going to be uh, one, one of each hero per team. Because um, if you stack Sombras, I think you're going to... I don't think she, she's... She's a saboteur, basically, more than anything else. Uh, so I think if you have too many of those, you're just, it's like a team full of spies on Team Fortress 2. You're like, well, somebody's on the other team, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Like... I mean, I don't know. I've played a ton of, uh, of Overwatch, and when I'm on teams that have a lot of the same players, like... Yeah, honestly, but there's no other character like this character. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, and, and I think that's good, because like, the, she's really, really different from, whatever, from what everybody else is doing, and that's cool. Like, then the more they can do that with you know, new characters they add, I think the fresher they'll keep it. Yeah. Uh, another big announcement for Overwatch today, they announced the official Overwatch eSports mm. League. And normally, like, an eSports league is announced, like, once a month. And you just goes in one ear and out the other. You don't really care. Holy cow, man. Blizzard is basically setting up, like, the NFL of Overwatch. Mm-hmm. It's insane what they're doing for this league. Like, they are the first developer or publisher to treat eSports like a professional sports league. There are... There's a farm league... There's a combine that you can go to, and you can, like, basically, like, you know how the NFL combine works. You go and you run the 40-yard dash, and you see how high you can jump and Mm -hmm. how much weight you can lift. Well, there's, like, a combine for Overwatch that you can go through. And basically, Blizzard has set up... (laughs) Big monthly check. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Blizzard has kind of set up this step-by-step process for you to become an esports athlete, provided you're good enough. And look... There are a lot of people out there who are really good at games that just never get the exposure enough to have a chance. And it's not like there are lots of good players who will never become esports athletes, I guess is what I'm saying, because of the way the structure is set up. They may not live in a city, they may not be able to travel to the tournaments or whatever, but the way Blizzard is setting up this esports league, anybody could become an esports star, provided they're good enough, which is, should be the freaking measuring stick. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it should come down to. Are you good enough or are you not good enough? It shouldn't be like, how rich are your parents? Can they afford to drive you here and there for these tournaments? It really just all comes down to your skill level. And I love that Blizzard is doing this. It's just going to make their community even stronger. And I think that's the thing that Blizzard does that a lot of other publishers don't do. And something that makes them really successful is that they always think about their community first. They're like, how is this going to impact the people who follow and love our video games? And it pays off. Like it is, I think you're, they're really starting to see fruit being bear, bore with Overwatch now. Mm-hmm. I think 20 million people are playing Overwatch. The fastest of any Blizzard game ever to get to 20 million people. Did World of Warcraft ever get to 20 million? I don't think so. Yeah, I think, I think it may have gotten close to 12, 12 or 14. Yeah. So, I mean, this is really Blizzard's biggest game ever. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, in a, like in one installment, instead of looking at like all all of the yeah, Diablo, it didn't or take all the three Warcrafts to get there. Yeah, I mean, think about that too. Like, this is the first game in the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also a testament to just how much bigger gaming has become. Yeah, in a lot of ways. You, you remember when people actually compared it to Bloodborne? Yeah, like they, like they were competitors. <laughs> yeah, good one. <laughs> Funny how that worked out. Yeah. But, uh, so that's the Overwatch stuff. They also, uh, they did, while they did not show off Diablo 4... Mm. I should, I should, yeah. Wait, I thought they were going to Hearthstone. No, not yet. Go to Diablo. Okay. So, while they did not unveil Diablo 4, they did have some really interesting announcements for Diablo 3. Not the least of which is, 
the entire original Diablo will now be playable inside Diablo 3 next week. Yeah. How but do you feel about that? That's cool. I, I'm a little disappointed that apparently it's seasonal. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be there forever. It's just going to be there, like, when they activate it. Right. Um, and apparently it's going to be, like, pixelated and, and like... It's gonna have a it's gonna have a retro feel look, to it, but it's still running it. in their new. Still gonna run into Diablo three, yeah. Uh, I dig it. That's cool. Like more content is always good, especially when it's free. Yeah, because that's not not everything in the what they announced is free for this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, they've announced that the Necromancer is coming back, mm-hmm. and that is not free. No, he is a purchased pack. Yeah, a character pack and. Pretty smart on Blizzard's yeah. part, but also pretty wily. Yeah, not... Because uh, people have been asking for this for a long yeah, time. Not, not a common Blizzard practice, really. Yeah. They don't usually charge for content. like They charge for loot boxes and right. whatever. But uh, this, is, uh, this is a different move for them. I feel like Blizzard knew it had fans by the cojones here. Yeah. And that, like... Well, I, well, I mean, look. If they didn't charge for it, they just would be basically yeah, You're leaving stupid. money on the table. Yeah. yeah. Because, look... Uh, the Necromancer was my favorite Diablo class ever. A lot of people say that, uh, yeah. I was disappointed he wasn't in Diablo 3. I was insulted that they tried to convince me that the Witch Doctor was an adequate substitute for right. him. Um, and if I did not own Diablo 3, I would buy it to play the Necromancer. Yeah. Period. Like, I mean, look, I'll buy... I mean, yeah, I, I get the people that are all upset because Blizzard usually update, gives you updated content for free for most stuff, especially, like, something as minor as a new character. But I don't care. I want my skeleton army back. I'm in. Did I'm they say it. how much it's going to cost yet? No, no price yet. Yeah. I can't imagine it would be Or at least not when I, like, when I was looking at it before I came here. Maybe, I don't know if they announced it yet, but I think they said no price indeed. Maybe someone yet. in the chat has seen it. But uh, I have not seen a price for it. I wouldn't imagine that they charge too awful much. Uh, for I mean, it is really just one character, although it really is a class as well. It's a class. So, yeah. I'm curious what the female necromancer will look like. I know that the concept art leaked out with it, but uh, look, I love the necromancer. I love my skeleton army. Like I'm, I'm excited to play through Diablo three again with it. I'll play through Diablo one. The the I mean, awesome. Bring it. I hope Diablo one is up long enough to really enjoy it, and it isn't like this rush job where you have to like play through it really quickly. Yeah, probably be a season. I guess, which I, I don't remember how long those... It's either a month or three months. I don't remember. It's still dumb. Just leave it in there. They might eventually just decide, like, why not? That's not very Blizzard-like. Blizzard-ish. No, like... like It's like, like what I was just saying earlier about how they cater to the fans and they really care about their community. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an example, and also pay, charging for the Necromancer, kind of where they're going against the grain of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. It feels like maybe in a little bit of an experiment, if you can get away. But it's like, at the same time... Uh, I feel like you're not gonna be, you wouldn't be able to get away with that with like the Amazon. Oh no! You know, like, no way. like this is because the Necromancer is such a demanded. Well, thing. they know they they've been dangling that carrot on the string oh, yeah. for ever since it launched. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It'd be awesome if it's like a dollar or they did something where it's just like really cheap. Because mm-hmm. if they try to charge like ten or fifteen bucks for it, yes, yeah, uh, it's like look, if everybody pays a dollar, that's still gonna be like millions. Oh, of I know. Dollars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Just charge a buck, Blizzard. Uh, now we'll get to Hearthstone. Hearthstone, new expansion announced today called The Mean Streets of Gadgetzon. Mm-hmm. I think I pronounced that correctly. I think so. Gadgetzon, Gadgetzan. Do you play a lot of Hearthstone? Nope. No? No. So you don't care about this either? I'm not a card game person, really. Yeah. I, oh, you like I, Gwent? I like Gwent, but Gwent is a really simple sort of like weird little thing. And Hearthstone, also like I'm not playing against other people in Gwent. I mean, I will be when the standalone game comes out, but like... Um, 
I just feel hopelessly behind in this game, and I'm not willing to pay for extra packs, so that kind of counted me out. I will. I love the the art style and the inter. I think the interface is maybe the best like user interface I've ever used for at least for any kind of card game thing. Yeah. Um. I wish I was into it. I guess I would say, but I just don't care that much. The strangest people tell me that they like Hearthstone. Mm-hmm. Like people who aren't big gamers that I'll run into and talk to. Some of my relatives really like Hearthstone. Uh, didn't I think Morgan was talking at Pactor's E3 party about how much she loves Hearthstone. Oh yeah, Hearthstone. she loves Hearthstone. Yeah, yeah. and it's like, it, it just seems like the the cross-section of people who are enjoying this game, there's really no rhyme or reason to mm-hmm. it. Well, also, Morgan loves World of Warcraft in general, so I think she was predisposed to jump try it. Right. And, you know, if you try it and you dig it, it'll hook you. It did not hook me, just because when I started playing, it was like in the middle of like something where like, there was some exploit with like some fireball thing, and like you you could end up in a match where you just didn't get to take a turn. Oh. I think it was a lot of weird. <laughs> so, they had they had some balance problems early on. I just never went back to it really. Um, this is I, another one of those it's games. Cool. Like I get why people are into it. I just it's just I don't have the time. This is another one of those games where for me I feel like I've fallen so far behind. It's like Destiny. Yeah. It's like yeah. When they start putting out trailers for games and I'm looking at them and I don't know what the title of it means, that's when I know I'm lost and there's probably no catching up well, to Well, Gadget Zan is um, it's the gnome city okay. uh, in, in Warcraft, in World of Warcraft. So it's like, I don't know, I assume, I assume it is... No, has... I wasn't even talking about like the name of this expansion. I'm just mm. talking about like trailers where they like show off new cards or oh. whatever and they'll be like, and these cards are blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the hell does right. that mean? Like, I have no idea. And at a certain point, I just feel like I'm so far behind, it's like, why bother? Yeah, Particularly know. for I... competitive stuff like Hearthstone. I mean, so. I followed Yu-Gi-Oh! for a while. Did you? Um, oh, yeah. I've, I have uh, full sets of like the first four or five wow. expansions at sets and all that stuff, which I really want to sell, I might add. <laughs> I don't want them in my cupboard anymore. Yeah. But... Um, and like, it was a lot of cool stuff. And Anyone want some Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Yeah, anybody, anybody need a full set of Blue Eyes White Dragon? Um, At Matt. But like, unsifted. It's uh, eventually like you hit like the, the the GX stuff, like the like where they kind of soft rebooted it, yeah. and like then they had like superhero things and all, and, uh, and after like I've missed a couple of those expansions, and then I like looked up what, what was going on, and it was just like I don't know what I don't I don't know what any of what you're saying is. Like I've, I've played this game. For years, and now all like within within one or one a year, year and a half, they left me completely behind yeah. in the dust in terms of understanding how it was played. And um, Hearthstone, I never had a full grasp on how Hearthstone is played, so now I feel like I'm just out in the woods somewhere. Yeah, and forget it. Uh, the final thing that they talked about at BlizzCon: Heroes of the Storm, Blizzard's MOBA, which I have not picked up and played since the first month mm. after release. I just went back to League of Legends, and that's what I play right. when I have time to play a MOBA. Um, but they did announce uh, a map, and two new characters from World of Warcraft are coming to Heroes of the Storm. Um, it seems to be, for everybody else, Heroes of the Storm is still doing great, and it's still a huge thing for Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to have done its own niche. It's sure, I mean, I understand when people say it's like the... The easy mode MOBA, yeah. Um, but I dig it. It's it's appealing. Like, visually, it's appealing, and it's 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 a fun time. And I like the characters because, like, you know, I know who they are. Oh, I think easily it's the best looking MOBA on the market. Mm. Even with all the updates they've done in League of Legends, it still doesn't look as good as Heroes of the Storm. No, but the, I mean, Blizzard has that art style that just clicks. It is really weird how they've created like their own style. As soon as I see like a Blizzard game, I know it mm-hmm. just from the art. Like 
I can't even really describe what their art style is. It's like know, this it's, it's kind like, of a cartoon, but not it's cartoony, like cartoony. But it's also sort of like like there's some grittiness to it, but it's also it's like everybody's made out of balloons. It's it's yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> like it, it's it's not it's not like anything else. And I still remember seeing World of Warcraft for the first time at e, in that art style at E3. I was there with Adam with Sessler and. Uh, they were super like worried about it. They're, yeah. they're, like when they showed the thing, they're like, "What do you do? You think do you like it? Is it okay?" Because like, originally World of Warcraft looked more like EverQuest. It was more like a yeah. realistic uh, thing, and like we were both, both I think we we're both like, "Like wow, no, it's amazing. It's fantastic. It looks great, and it has aged really well." That's it, the art. That's the art yeah. style. I mean, it it's timeless. Yeah, I mean, they've upgraded the graphics and added shaders and all that, but that that art style is basically intact from two thousand four for it's the most part, and it holds up years. because it didn't rely on you know cutting edge graphics tech. It relied on art style, and that's that's and the key. Great artist. It's very smart. Makes a big difference. And so. it all translated really well to Hearthstone. It's like yeah, yeah, it did. Just the versatility of but, it. But I mean, you also amazing. see it in Heroes of the Storm. Yeah. It uses the same thing. I mean, you see a little touch of it in Overwatch. Yeah, some of it in Overwatch. Overwatch does have its own A little, little bit in though. Diablo 3, which was a yeah. point of content. I saw people like bringing up the whole same thing with like, I hate the Diablo, Diablo 3 is too bright. Diablo. Yeah. People are talking about like, you know, just today, like, people are compla- still complaining four years later. It's like Diablo, Diablo 1 was like dark and gritty and it was tense and scary. I'm like, no isometric action RPG mouse-driven game was tense or scary. What are you no. talking about? Like, that's that's crazy. Like that's, It's hard to be scary when all you hear is click, 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 click. No. Like, there's nothing scary about Diablo. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. No way. Yep. Um, so, I can't even see them most of the time. Like, you know, I, people forget how pixelated that stuff was back in the day. So, overall, I would say BlizzCon's a little disappointing. I think if you're a hardcore Blizzard mm-hmm. fan, there's a lot of really good information there to get you excited, but I think it's maybe of a, someone with a more maybe passing interest in Blizzard stuff. Not a lot of big stories there. No, it's not a, not a huge thing. Sombra also, which is a big reveal, had been known for forever. Yeah. So, but I think you know the Overwatch fandom I know has been just like slavering for this character to be released. And yeah. I thought it was gonna, she was going to be released like or in the Halloween event and right. all that stuff. And well, that's like, I thought yeah. she was going to be the character announced last time. Right, it wasn't. So, so they finally got what they were asking for. Yeah, so that's good. And now we can move on to the next. <laughs> character. Next character yeah, yeah. to slowly leak, and Blizzard can do a countdown to a countdown to a countdown with them. Yeah. So uh, I, they've got that Overwatch fandom on the hook, and they are reeling it in as best they. I mean, they, and it's working. It yeah. really is working. So kudos, kudos to Blizzard for you know. Oh, their financials oh, this quarter oh, were yeah. like through the. Through. And uh, kudos to the Overwatch fandom who just you know keep getting more and more and better and better stuff. I think it's, they're, I think they're being treated pretty well overall. For sure. For sure. So, what would you give for a BlizzCon a letter grade? BlizzCon 2016. For me personally, yeah, like, I don't know, D plus. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I don't, the only thing I'm interested in of all of that stuff is the Necromancer. Yeah, and that's really more of like, oh, cool, kind of thing. You know, so I'm not a giant Blizzard player in the first place. I play. I I have a. I'm a. I'm a goldfish. I, I play new stuff. I like to play the new stuff, the new stuff, the new stuff. And Blizzard is always just like, we're going to put a game out, and then we're going to support it for five years. And I'm like, well, I will see you in five years then. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I played through uh, Diablo 3 again when Reaper of Souls came out and made it good. But uh, beyond that, like, I haven't really touched it too much. I would say if the C is average, you're right on the money. It's a D or a D-. minus Because with no new game announcement, to me, the, that's the mean. That's the average now for BlizzCon yeah. is at least one new game announced. Without that, to me, that's below average, so I'll give it a D. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Here's a fun story. <laughs> well, 
Not wow. really, actually. <laughs> Creepy, really. <laughs> Pretty messed up. So this past week, an elderly woman, 86, year old, 86 years old, uh, who lives in Canada, got a call or an email from a service whose job it is to collect money when people are caught pirating music, video games, movies, etc. Um, I have a friend who was using BitTorrent and got an email, or no, a, a formal letter from Time Warner Cable warning him, saying, hey, we're watching you, bro. Like, hmm. we know what you're doing. You're pirating movies and TV shows, and you're using our service to do it. You better knock it out, or something's going to happen. Well, apparently in Canada they don't have these warnings. She just gets a call from one of these, basically a collection agency, who says, hey, you owe us $5,000 because you pirated Metro 2033. <laughs> 86-year-old woman, never played video games in her life. And as it turns out, she had just left her Wi-Fi router open, mm. and somebody had st basically just jumped on her Wi-Fi and had started, like a lot of people do when they find free Wi-Fi, they just start going through the bandwidth. Someone was torrenting or pirating through her Wi-Fi. And the way it's set up in Canada with the laws that they have, like, she really had no recourse for this at all. Um, the collection agency, like... One of the one of the publications that wrote a story about it, like called the collection agency and actually did an interview with them, and basically, their whole thing was everything we do is legal. Yeah, like they because they were asking them questions like, "Don't you feel like it's wrong for you to just call some random eighty-six year old?" And basically, it's just like, "Well, it's, there's nothing illegal about it. We do everything by the book." But this brings up a, a serious question about sort of net law and. I don't know. Is it if in America, if you do not secure your Wi-Fi and someone does something illegal on your Wi-Fi, are you liable for that? I'm, maybe. I don't even know if we have laws to cover that yet. Uh, it's insane. It's, it's new territory. But at the same time, like you could use it as a likely excuse if you are pirating mm. or stealing. I mean, I guess maybe an analog might be like, okay, if someone steals your car and uses it to commit a crime, do you get arrested for that crime? No. No. But, but I feel like with the internet, with like a Wi-Fi though, you could very easily circumvent the whole thing by just securing your Wi-Fi. Yeah, but nothing, your car, nothing's hundred percent secure. I mean, you have to be a pretty good hacker to hack someone's Wi-Fi. I don't know. I would assume maybe someone in the chat knows what it takes. I would assume you. I mean, look, look. There's probably a whole lot of Wi-Fi networks out there whose password is one two three four five. That could be. Same combination as my luggage. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Thanks for that, Matt. I'm going to write that one down. Two, three. Um, you not get the Spaceballs references? <laughs> oh, I didn't. know. No, I didn't. It's the, it's the whole thing in Spaceballs is the combination of the shield on Druidia is one, two, three, four, five. Oh, right, right, right. And they say it's, it's, that's the combination an idiot would have on his luggage. Uh, and then, I totally and then Mel Brooks' character, he's like, that's amazing. It's the same combination as my luggage. <laughs> so I get it now. Sam got it. Yeah. The millennial got the 19, yeah. 1988. <laughs> that is pretty sad Star that he Wars got the Spaceballs reference. reference and I didn't. That's just pretty pathetic. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Raspberry. Um, my question is: So here's here's it... Alston chiming in. In the U.S., you're only criminally liable if it occurs on an input device that you control, tablet, computer, etc., but not on transmission devices. Hmm. So I guess I can get the MAC address from whatever your device is, although that's not easy. That's not it. So it basically, but if what happened here is like someone's using like a laptop or a tablet or something to download it using your Wi-Fi, they would be liable, not you, I guess. Under, In the under, U.S. Under U.S., yeah. yeah. My question is, how do they arrive at the $5,000 
I don't know. Figure. What has what is that value? How do like, they get... like, was, was she like seeding for it? I guess or like the cat... that could be because like look if she if somebody just downloaded Metro twenty thirty three why don't they, why doesn't she just owe you 60, sixty bucks? Yeah, and really like ten now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but would they even know if it was seeded? I assume there must be a way to see all that. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there is. I thought that was the whole idea behind BitTorrent. Was it everyone's yeah. kind of anonymous, kind of like Bitcoin? Well, then how do they know she what she downloaded? IP address. They just, mm. yeah. I guess it's, that's a good point because she's also downloading that. Well, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know how the protocol works. I'm sure someone in the chat knows. Yeah, maybe they should be doing this show tonight. <laughs> you can you can hack mm. someone's Wi-Fi with Linux and follow one of the many tutorials out there. Not hard. That's from Dyson XP. That's scary. That's really scary. Mm. I don't think it's that easy though. I mean, as long as you have, like, a 64-bit password, it should be pretty tough. Maybe. You would but it's think. Like, I don't know. You know, it's like there's there's a ton of, uh, you know, like your router comes from whatever, your cable company or DirecTV right. or whatever. Like, you know, sometimes those things have, like, basic security flaws in their OSs or, like, whatever. You, know, you, yeah. know, there's, you never know, um, which is why it's good that that law is the way it is. So the crazy part is, it until looks we get, like... Until we get data caps, at which point you're like, how did I use four terabytes this month? Yeah, because someone's stealing your Wi-Fi. So it looks like Granny is going to have to settle. And that's what the guy said. He's like, oh, you know, it's 5000 but we usually settle for a smaller amount. So it looks like they call these people, and then they, they try to look like... They play good cop, bad cop. Like, who's at the other end of this? It's like, can't, can, like, who publishes that game? Can't they step in and be like, hey, let's not... Let's not screw grandma on this one. I can't remember who owns that THQ property now. Would it be Nordic now? Or I don't know if Nordic bought... I think Nordic point. did buy that one. Because Nordic didn't buy all THQ stuff. No. They bought some. But I think, yeah, I think it is Nordic. I mean, they don't even know who to send the money to. Yeah. For that, that fine. Like, it's crazy. But uh, it looks like she's got to settle for her less. But it just sucks. Poor granny. Set up a, uh, set up a GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah, that's well, a good idea, yeah, actually. I'm sure people would, would help. Yep. All right, let's move on. So I've been talking about how the sales have been dropping for games over the last, like, four months. And I keep saying how I think it's a concern. You keep saying that you don't think it's a big deal. Pactor agrees with me. Pactor does agree with you as well. Which makes me question me. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pactor. And, you know, we, we, we keep kind of coming up with excuses, like, mm. oh, well, the Xbox One S launched, or everyone's waiting for the PlayStation 4 Slim, and then that came out, and then we're like, everyone's waiting for PlayStation 4 Pro. We just keep kind of kicking the can down the street. And then GameStop had its uh, financial report this week, along with everybody else on the planet, and basically it said that most of the games from October tanked and sold well below their expectations, and that it basically hurt them financially overall. And so I kind of went digging, I started looking for what games came out. Battlefield 1 came out, what, a week? It only had like a week or two of sales before yeah. the month was over. Um, yeah, it was like a week, yeah. And you know what, they are counting digital in this stuff now as well, so it's 
Well, that's MPD. That's not necessarily GameStop. Yeah, GameStop is just games. I mean, I know they sell digital codes, but like I've tr- they've tried to sell me digital codes. I'm like, why wouldn't I just go home and buy it on PSN? Like, why, yeah. why, why would I ever buy a code to take home and put in? Like, that's stupid. And it knows that, and that's why it is like I mean, if it's trying a, to sell it's merchandise and everything it. now. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, the the like that little corner of GameStop that's all superhero stuff now is saving their ass. It is. It totally is saving their ass. And they said it again on this uh, on this financial call that their revenue from just culture-related mm. tchotchkes and figurines Funko and plushies and all that stuff is what's really... That's where all their revenue is rising from. Mm-hmm. Um, so Battlefield 1 was a game that, that came out. Mafia 3, it was only out for... Two weeks. Literally. Mm-hmm. It was out for two weeks? I think so. Yeah, was, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, two weeks. That was a good amount of time. Two, I mean, 2K saying that thing set records for them, which... Seems odd. Yeah, that's why we used it for the image for down below because there's something shifty going on here with Mafia 3. So, 2K says that it sold or shipped. I couldn't even get the clear. It'd be shipped. They they don't go sold. Numbers are always shipped. The original report says 4.5 million shipped and sold. And then all the other outlets ran off of that one report and they all just went shipped i think mm-hmm. so i honestly don't know well remember the publisher doesn't really care if it sells off the sh- you know they've they've made their money once it's shipped to the distributor uh the only issue of selling is whether the stores will then order the next one in any large numbers i mean which means that gamestop could be sitting on like three million copies of mafia well gamestop isn't that big of the a slice of the market it's you know walmart sells most of this stuff yeah um and they aren't counted in the npd so yeah. it's, you know like you know, game, here's the thing. It's like this might be ind- indicative of like you know softening video game sales in general, or it might just be indicative that people ain't going to GameStop as much anymore. Could be. Um, which I can't count as a negative, uh, really. Um, you know, it, and that would definitely tie into the idea of people pre-ordering less, because if I didn't pre-order something at GameStop, I'm not going there because it's not going to have it. Yeah. Like they, they get like three or four more copies than what was pre-ordered most of the time. If I need to buy a game I didn't pre-order from a brick-and-mortar store, I'm going to Best Buy or Target or Walmart, frankly. I mean, it, it, you know, I'd, I'd like to see some sales from some non-specialty retailers, I guess. Especially because they're basically the only one specialty retailer in the game industry at this point. Yeah. Uh, World of Final Fantasy came out. It literally had like a few days in October. Mm. But the big flag for me is PlayStation VR. Because you're looking at a huge purchase there. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is a lot of money. It's at least $400 for every single person that buys it. And with a big hardware launch like that, and you had the PlayStation 4 Slim that had just come out, and Xbox One S is selling great, I don't know. I mean, Sony is is basically saying, like, PlayStation VR is quote-unquote on track. Mm Mm-hmm. You never know what their expectations were. Right. If you don't have any frame of reference. Well, their expectations seem to be um, somewhere in, like, something, what was that, like, two million by the end of fiscal or something like that? Um, or is that what we thought? No, because uh, I thought, like, 1.3 million by the end of the calendar year was my, was my guess. 
Um, I'm wondering if they're going to hit that now, though. I'm wondering if they're going to hit a million at all right. at this rate. But I don't. We don't know to, too many hard numbers. My concern on the on track comment is that like, if it was really that good, you'd have given us a number. Exactly. See, that's exactly. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> if, if it was selling out and they were like, we can't make them fast enough, they put out yeah. that press release saying like, it's sold out. We're trying to satisfy demand as best but we can. But it's not sold out because you—it's in every store I go to. I mean, you can buy the 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 non bundle. It's just the, just the headset. You can buy that the head standalone headset just about anywhere right now. Do you think it's tanking? I don't think it's tanking, but it's just you know a four hundred dollar plus toy. thing toy that you know right between the PS the Slim and on the heels of the S and the Pros right around the corner and Christmas is coming up like. Right, but Christmas is coming up. This is when people get their toys, you know? Yeah, but also people get their toys when Black Friday hits. You know, like, like yeah. maybe they'll see a spike once, you know, stores start wrapping it up with Batman VR and whatever to get get it out the damn door uh, later this month. But, like, I, you know, I think it's probably selling better than the than the, the Oculus and the Vive. Oh, for but sure, But, like, yeah. apparently, you know, apparently you're looking at the, the, the Vive, which is the leader, the successful one, and they're like barely closing in 150,000 sold. That's not a lot, like units. I feel a little bit like a schmuck for buying it day one because now I feel like if I had waited for November or December, like you probably could have got it off eBay like cheaper. Eh, then what would we what would we would we have talked about? Yeah, yeah. But like <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's like my concern isn't really that so much as like, oh, I could have gotten it 50 bucks cheaper in a month or whatever. My concern is that Sony has that history of like, if it does not perform the way they thought it was going to perform, they kill, they it. walk away yeah. without any, you know, you know, you're you're left with like the Vita on like you know anime game life support for three years, or you yeah. end up with the Move controllers being abandoned until they came up with a VR headset, <laughs> or or that damn book. Yeah. That I don't even remember the title of because they never mention it again. You know, or the like, camera for the PlayStation yeah. 3 that was never used for, like, anything. The iToy with the, you know, Eye of Judgment. Oh, we've got so much expansion stuff planned for Eye of Judgment. No. Never did anything. Nothing. Yeah. Never mentioned again. Yep. So uh, that's my concern is that, like, if Sony just decides, you know, in the next six months that this is a lost cause, that's the end of it. Which would be a doubly traumatic, uh, or doubly tragic, I would say, because I really enjoy a lot of what they're doing on the PlayStation VR. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, that would be a tremendous loss for me as a VR enthusiast. Well, I think it also might just okay, do I've still got my VR. Vi- right. <laughs> but also, it's like, I've still got my vibe, but it doesn't mean I've got stuff, you know, we've got that Robinson game Journey, coming up, which yeah. looks really cool. It and does look cool. Like, Sony's making real games, or, like, people supporting Sony's platform are making real games in right. VR. And that's the exciting part about PlayStation VR is they're being a, more, a little more traditional in how they're approaching these things beyond, like, look at this crazy demo we can do. They're like, right. hey, let's make a game out of it. Yeah. And I dig that, and I hope that doesn't go away. That's my concern about whether or not they're on track yeah. or whatever. And my big concern overall is it's Oct- October was a bad month for GameStop. Mm-hmm. That is bad. And I've been saying this the last three months in a row, and it's like every time we kind of write it off and... I still don't feel good about it when we finish the conversation. I still think that there are big red flags here. Like, the console sales for last month were pretty much pathetic. Like, both Xbox One S or One and PlayStation 4 had a horrible month. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why Microsoft has started to win, because the PlayStation 4 has kind of fallen off a cliff. Like, I think it's around 40 million. Mm -hmm. 
and it got to 30 million in the first like year and a half or something like that and now it's taken all that time since to get to 10 mm. i don't know well the the market's as big as i mean isn't that like how many like xboxes sold uh xbox 360s yeah, or the first 360s. xbox um i don't know honestly i think it got a near 100 maybe Did worldwide it? yeah the Wii mm. sold the Wii was 100 million. 100 million, yeah. But it sold to a lot of people that never had a game system and will never have another game system. Yeah, but still, um, it sold 100 million. We'll see, and we'll see what the. I'll tell you this much: uh, I w- I've been looking to try and buy the uh, you know the Seagate Fire Cuda uh, two terabyte hard drive to put in my PS4 Pro, uh, and it's gone. Like wow. it's sold out everywhere because people planning to get the Pro right. have bought this hard drive because one terabyte is just not enough, apparently. I mean, I'm not completely freaking out. I'll, I will completely freak out if, if this happens in November. I Here's will completely Here's freak out. Here's the thing. Out. I want to see some numbers that aren't just GameStop. Because GameStop tanking is... I mean, but look, when we've talked about this before, mean it was MPD. Me. We've always talked about MPD's numbers before, mm. and that's what got me freaked out. And that leads up to October. I mean, this is Q4 now. There's no excuses. Like, this is Q4. This is when everyone expects to buy games. This is when people buy games for other people. You know, my family, my mom, she shop, she's shopping already. My mom's almost done with Christmas shopping already. There's a lot of people well, that that's do unusual. that. that's unusual. She's an outlier. I'll say that yeah. much. But there's people that are doing it. So it's not just us going into the stores and buying games. There Is are some other people. Does she not buy a lot of video games? Does she not buy a lot of she's video games? She's not buying games? a lot of video games? She doesn't have to buy games. Right, because <laughs> she's buying for you and you already have Right, them. yeah. I don't need <laughs> but I'm just saying, there are people out there who are shopping for Christmas gifts now. Mm-hmm. So, But I still think a lot of people wait for the kind of the cyber deals for games and software and Blu-rays and stuff yeah. when you get closer to Black Friday. By the way, the Black Friday deals for consoles are not looking that good. No. They're basically just 50 bucks off. In yeah. a game. Not like last year where there was, there was a couple of crazy <laughs> deals. They're just trying game. to unload the old bundles they have yeah. lying around. Like the Uncharted 4 bundles. Yeah, because those are still around. Uh, I will say, if you want a Wii U, yeah. <laughs> I bet you'll be able to pick one up pretty pretty good yeah. this, this Thanksgiving. We'll see. Because um, um, I'm sure they want to clear that stock out. Yeah. Um, if it has no, because it was it, they stopped Make producing Make way for them. the Switch. Yeah. Speaking of which, that segues nicely into our next topic. Coming up. Our weekly Switch update. We almost need like a little jingle for this at this point. Or a Switch. Yeah. Switch. <laughs> throw. There you go. It's <laughs> the Nintendo button. It's the weekly Switch update. So, just like last week, all these little tidbits have been slipping out over the last mm-hmm. week. Um, there's actually three kind of big ones that have came out. Uh, the first one that came out right after we did the show last week is that Nintendo's recommended card size is 16 gigs. And look, that doesn't mean that developers and publishers can't get bigger ones mm. or smaller ones. Um, but it's what bothers me about that is the messaging. That Nintendo is saying, look, you know, this is, this is the standard Mm-hmm. And chances are, if a publisher or a developer for an indie studio wants to publish a game that's more than 16 gigs, they will probably have to pay more money to do that. It's gone right back the old cartridge to the thing. N64 yeah. problems. Where now there are not a lot of 16 gig plus indie games to be to be. No, fair. no, for sure. But we're I'm thinking we're talking about publisher. When your publisher is looking at like what is 
my profit margin on a game. Mm. And you realize, especially like retailers like GameStop, who are getting like $4 or $5 profit off of each game, like if you charge someone extra money just for the piece of media that the game is being held on versus another platform, it's just further discouragement to a publisher or developer to create games for that platform. And, you know, it was, look, back in the N64 days, you could technically get a cart that was huge. The problem was that cart was going to cost so much money that most publishers were like, screw that, why would mm. I do that? And so they did it. Or you had to charge more for the game at retail. Right, which is why some N64 games were $69.99, $79.99. Yeah. I mean, they're in... Some NES, Super NES games, too. It's why we didn't see like a Resident Evil game until the end of the life cycle when all the prices dropped for mm. the carts and they could actually afford to put a little bit of FMV on a cart. So 16 gigs is a squat in today's market. I mean, the only modern game... I just game... downloaded a 50-gig uh, Call of Duty game. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. And that was without including, like, Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4 mm. Modern Warfare. That was just for Infinite Warfare. And it took me forever to install that game, by the way. Forever. <laughs> I took all day to download, and then I go to play it, and it has to install the campaign. And I just sit there for, like, oh, another wow. hour. That didn't happen for you? No, it took, like, an hour. Wow. I mean, I have, I have really fast internet. You must. Um, but also, I, I preloaded it. So I uh, wasn't, wasn't trying to load it when everybody else and their right, brother right, right. was trying to download it. So how big of a deal uh, it did, is this It did, however, crash when I tried to start Zombies Up. Oh, really? It had, had to do some update, and it kept crashing and had to restart the game twice before Weird. it worked. So how big of a deal is this for Nintendo? Um, is it a big deal at all? I, I don't know. I think it's a big deal in the sense that clearly they're not targeting modern games. You know, like they're not... This probably Overwatch means, is what twenty gigs. I mean, there's compression techniques you can use, but like, but Overwatch is a multiplayer only game, right? But like, clearly, Call of Duty next year's Call of Duty is not going to be on the Switch. Clearly, um, unless they clearly have... this year's Call of Duty won't come out next year on the Switch right. either. Uh, in fact, it makes me quite. I was like, how are they fitting Skyrim on this thing? Are they? Uh, come on, you have to be confirmed. I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously, there's not going to be a Witcher three. On yeah, it. yeah, I know that was Skyrim. Everybody thought they thought they saw Witcher for some reason. Right. I don't know where well, that, that was. Came. Me, I thought it was Witcher. No, other people did that too. Oh, I saw okay. a bunch of people think it was Witcher three. I don't feel so stupid. You were not the only one <laughs> to, to think that. I only feel kind of stupid. But now it's not just that. Like, no, Geralt doesn't use a bow. It's like, no, Geralt won't fit on the card. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I look. I don't know if it actually hurts the system. I like the fact that it's using cards for. I the I mean, load clearly, times Nint- and it won't hurt Nintendo's own output because they have their target and that's what they want to do. But like in terms of third party, I think you're right in that it's discouraging. To, you know, because now it's not just a simple matter of dumping your port on the system. It's like, well, we got to figure out how to fit our 50 gig game into a 16 gig card, or we got to pay more and cut our margins uh, to buy the larger size card. It's just, it's the last thing that Nintendo should be doing right now is creating a barrier or a detriment to any publisher or developer releasing a game for its system. Period. Like, that should have been goal number one. How do we get other developers and publishers to publish games and, re- and make games for our, our console again? Well, I still, think, I still think they should have just made a modern video game console. And had it, it, it Blu-ray and a hard drive and an online connection and it sits next to the TV and it's as powerful as a PS4 Pro and third-party games can be on it no problem and uh, they can make like stuff on you know modern modern power levels and I know it's not exciting and it's not the Nintendo difference and it's not like oh you can do all these weird you know things on a rooftop in Vancouver but like um, 
compete, you know, be there, be a game console again. I think this is this is gimmickry for the sake of gimmickry. And I just wonder it's just though, not, it's, it's even... not it's not going to put them where they need to be. It's it's going to be they're going to be the, the also ran again. I think. I just wonder if they even had a chance though if they do that because it's like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they would have a chance to do that if the Switch repairs some relationships with third parties. Um, but I don't know what you do now. Like, the, like, there's no precedent for this. There's because no precedent like, for coming back from this like there is thing a little where EA bit of and UB and all these guys just walk away from you like that. Because, I mean, if you look at it, like if there were some third-party games on Switch, there is a little bit of incentive to buy it for Switch because you can take it on the go. It's like you're buying a handheld version and a console version with one purchase. But if Nintendo just becomes like the other guys, there's no incentive to buy the third-party game on a Nintendo console at all. Well, and I don't think any consumers at this point, other than the hardest of the hardcore Nintendo fans, are ever going to expect to have only a Nintendo console as their sole console. It's just well, it's just not the way it is anymore. Well, it could be, but they're not trying to do that. But see, the, so. but I don't, I don't think it could be. I think there's a lot of people out there who do not love Nintendo's first-party stuff as much as other people do. And they mm. look at it like, okay, I have to choose between Mario and Zelda or... Horizon Zero Dawn and The Last Guardian, right. and but on the at the same time, if you make that choice between Mario and Zelda and Gears of War and Forza Horizon, I'm probably going to pick Mario and Zelda. Yeah, like I feel like they could beat Microsoft at their own game in that regard. Sony's the 800 pound gorilla in this equation. I sure. don't know if they could though, Matt. I think that a lot of the people who are buying games grew up with Xbox 360, and like they look at games like Gears of War. The way we look at games like Zelda and Mario that we grew up with. Mm -hmm. And so you either have like the hardcore Nintendo fans or the older players like us who grew up with their products. And like there's this black hole in between there of people who don't really care about Nintendo. Like I was surprised on the poll we did in our forums about what people thought of Nintendo Switch and how many people said, I don't care about Nintendo hardware. I was shocked. Mm -hmm. I thought there might be a couple. That were just well, like, and maybe they were just, I thought they might be doing it just to be contrarian or whatever. But there was a large contingency of people who responded in that poll and said, I don't care. Mm -hmm. At all. Look, I would rather just play Zelda on my PlayStation 4. Yeah. If, if it all came down to it, I'd rather not have to spend 300 bucks to, to play Zelda. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't care about Nintendo hardware. I don't think any of this looks interesting to me in terms of what the hardware does. Other than the fact that it can play a video game on a television, but apparently not particularly well. Yeah. <laughs> so, judging by the, this, what you know, what little we've seen leak out about the specs and the fact that these things can only be 16 gigs, like they're still, they're still a generation behind in a lot yeah. of practical ways. And it's like, okay, if they want to compete on that level, great. But like, don't come talking to me about it. You know, like, like if that's where they're going to toil in that sort of like dead zone between like modern video gaming and last gen video gaming well i guess like you resigned yourself to selling to those 10 to 12 million people that bought a wii u and that's where you're going to be from now on like yeah. what do they i mean that guys that that becomes the question is what does nintendo want are they are they happy with that you know hardcore nintendo fan no. group I mean, that's because that's the Wii all U. they got yeah. right now. <laughs> I don't see this thing breaking out of that zone. And yeah, you say it could, you know, it it could become competition for the other consoles, but it's unlikely. Well, I'll tell you one thing: with this thing, it will not. Like, period. Like, there is no could there. What did you They're say when you trying. first saw the Wii, though? When I first saw the Wii, yeah, for the first time, did you think it was going to be a hit? 
I didn't think it was going to sell 100 million units, but I thought it was going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think it was going to bomb. Like, I, I, it looked cool. Also because, like, no one knew how terrible those motion controls were yet, you know? Yeah. Like, it was a cool, different thing. Uh, a new way to play games. Um, which turned out to not be a very fun way to play games. I think some people would me. contend, though, that the Switch is a new way to play games. I've had a handheld, and I've had a console, and uh, that's it. And I've had a tablet. I've played all that before, and I've played it... Here's the thing, like, yes, over-specializing you breed in weakness, but if you try to be a jack-of-all-trades, you're not going to do any one thing particularly Master well. Of none. Yeah. So, uh, if you're if you're 16 gig card size and you've got 4 gigs of RAM in this thing... Yeah, that's the other like, story that broke this week. 4 gigs of RAM. Like, you're going to be, again, it's going to be the Wii U all over again, where it's like, well, it looks really good for a Nintendo game. Yeah. Like, I've never seen Mario look this good at 1080, you know, that Wii U did a lot of great things where it was like... Those Mario games looked amazing because he'd never looked that good before, but he doesn't look as good as his competition. You well, know Nintendo's I mean? games can get away with it because they have a cartoony art style. Right. They but also really because, rely on polygons. Right, but also because they're so far behind hardware-wise for so long that like just stepping into the 1080p realm was amazing. Yeah, Zelda looks amazing in part because no Zelda game has run at that resolution natively that before. Yeah, you're right. Uh, then the final thing uh, that came out, it's looking like it's going to release around St. Patrick's Day. So mm-hmm. mid-March, apparently. Yeah. Which <laughs> Get drunk and buy a Switch. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're <laughs> Their marketing campaign. There it is right there, written by Matt I, Kyle. I still don't fully believe uh, it's going to happen, but uh, at least like actual days are starting to leak out, which is good. I think yeah. March 17th, at least for Europe, was what was yeah. uh, rumored. Um which would probably mean the 15th or whatever yeah, here. The Ides of March, because that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a positive omen. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. Better than the end of March. I mean, Four gigs of RAM. So PlayStation 4 has eight. Yeah. Eight, I think, is kind of assumed to be the minimum you need yeah. to do mod, uh, kind of like what, what people expect to see in a 1080p you know, game at this yeah. point. Uh, and look, I mean, these things, these other systems are struggling to run at 1080p on a regular basis with that. Well, they don't. RAM. And granted, Xbox One never right. runs at 1080p. Well, the Xbox One has very slow RAM compared to the, right. the PS4, but I don't know what the RAM is in this thing in the in the, in the Switch. I don't think they've we, said we, yet. We, yeah, we don't know specs on it, so maybe yeah. it's like super fast RAM and it won't matter. But I feel like it's probably going to matter. No, it's definitely going to matter. RAM always yeah. matters, no matter what. All right, let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about a game. I've been reading reviews for this game over the last three or four days, and the review scores are off the charts. Like, literally, they're all, like, nines, mm-hmm. tens. And so I was like, wow. First of all, it's been in development for nine years, yeah. which Long is time. incredible. But so I'm like, all right, well, they're getting, it's getting these great scores. So I really start digging into the reviews and reading them a lot more closely and for the life of me, I cannot figure out why this game is getting these scores, Matt. You've been playing mm-hmm. Owlboy. Why is it getting these crazy review scores? Because the people reviewing this game grew up with a Super Nintendo. Really? Is that the only reason That's why? It. It, look, it is really good. It's, it's, it's a kind of a Metroidvania-style sort of like open-ish go-to-the-dungeon, hop-around uh, semi-platformer, because you can fly, so it's not really platforming, but it's like it's it's got a lot of interesting new ideas, but the main appeal to, of it for me uh, is that you know a lot of games, a lot of indie games do that sort of like oh it's 16-bit era-ish, it's a tribute to that. Era. This is the Pixel one of the art. yeah, this is one of the only games of that type that I have ever played where I feel 
this could have been a 1993 Super Nintendo game. This game feels like it was made then. It feels like... It, I no, have someone trying to make a game from that era. Right. It's, it, and it does have modern... You know, it does a lot of stuff that the Super Nintendo hardware could not have done. I mean, right. obviously it's using modern PC tech to do some cool stuff. But the, the philosophy, the design, the feeling, the flavor, the thematic imagery, the way, the way it unfolds feels retro in the way that goes beyond the pixel art thing. It, it's like it teaches you how to play itself in a way that modern games don't in a lot of ways. And it does have the on-screen on stuff, but it's telling that you can turn that off. Yeah. Um, and the relations between the characters and like just the way it all kind of comes together... I, I feel like I'm playing a game that came out back then that I never played before. And I, don't, I can't get closer to it than that, really. I don't even know why it works that way. But, and, and, the other, and it keeps making me think of like games back then. Dumbest that, name for a game ever. Oh, it, like, it, I, would, I would never <laughs> have given this thing a second look. If, if, I mean, I like the art. I've seen it before like, at trade shows. But it was like, I would never have really thought about this twice if I hadn't like, seen those reviews. I'm like, oh, I guess I'll look at this thing. And, like, here's the thing. Like, it just nails the art style. It nails the feel. It nails the exploration element. It nails the, the way the grass looks in that 16-bit way. You know what it keeps reminding me of? Hook. The oh. Super Nintendo Hook game. Yeah, yeah. Which, like, I don't think anybody... I don't know who the hell played that, but I played a fair <laughs> amount of it. But it has that weird, textured, sort of, like, depthy feel that, like, the really good... Um, not like Donkey Kong Country, but like, like that. You know, like like Hook has it, and The Lion King had it, and Actraiser had it, and um, like it's like it's hard to define. But there's something about this that they just nailed it. And so, is this like a Metroidvania game? Is it yeah, like you, I would you say get items, you have to take it back somewhere else and unlock a door? Yeah, and you, then... you get you find an item in like the Owl Temple, and it lets you like some or you, it lets you suddenly summon your your partner. You always, he has a bunch of partners, and they do different things. Summon your partner to you, which you know previously you were leaving him on like a platform that like you know button that like opened a thing, and you had to fly through the thing, and then you found a weight, and you put it on the platform, and picked him up, and brought him back through the gate. Now he can teleport, so you can put him on the thing and open the thing, go through the gate, teleport him to you, and you couldn't get through there before. Right. So, so, yeah. Okay. So is that kind of like you know it you know the Zelda or Metroid style thing? Where Doing like, a lot of backtracking though. Sorta. Of, yeah. Like there's and the you know there's a there's a tracker for all the money in the there's finite amount of money in the game like. 300 coins in the first area, 200 in the second area, and like as you collect a certain number of coins, you get new items, which are usually like health upgrades or you know various things like things to help you out, firepower upgrades. Um, and it's just it you know there's not really much more to it than that except that it's like written uh, in a really sort of like positive and it's it's like an uplifting game in a lot of ways. Even though like you spend most of the beginning of the game getting uh, insulted because you're kind of the most inept owl, right? Um, you've got all these really good friends. Like this guy in the green, he's a he's a good buddy of yours, and like he's super encouraging and helps you uh, fight off some bullies and stuff. And like the relationships between the different characters are all really strongly drawn. And it all works. Like I, I, I just, it's more than the sum of its parts in a way that, is, that I, have a, I have trouble describing because it's just one of those games that I don't... Because, re- look, I didn't play a ton of Super Nintendo stuff back then. Um, and I don't usually get caught up in the, nostalgia, in the nostalgia for it. But there's something 
there's something like intensely admirable about how they nailed this game's like what they were trying well, to make. Well, it took 9 it. years. Yeah. <laughs> but as we know, usually when you take 9 years, you come out with something like Final Fantasy 15 or Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah. <laughs> um and I mean you can see on this like it's just got that certain something that you don't really, you know, a lot of other games don't capture, and obviously the Super Nintendo version would not have the waving grass and all these little extra effects and all the parallax clouds back there. It's it's you know it's very pretty from that perspective perspective of what they're doing here. I just look, I haven't played it, and that's why I wanted to talk with you about it. Mm-hmm. One because it's getting such high scores, and two, I'm completely befuddled because I see games that look like this announced like every week. Well, I mean, watching this, I don't see really anything different about this game from any other side-scrolling indie mm. game. And like, look, you kind of got to touch it. You yeah, I got to feel it. And also because, look, he can fly. Yeah, and it's not like he can glide. It's not like he has a double jump. He, he can, can go fly. wherever. Yeah, and they find ways to make the game still interesting and li- and living. Well, it reminds me a little bit of almost like Echo that. the Dolphin. Yeah, because a bit. Echo is like that. It's like you're underwater, but basically you're just yeah. flying wherever you want. Yeah, there's some echo to it. That's probably true. Maybe my my latent Sega fan is actually maybe that's what it is here, more <laughs> involved here than I thought. That's a good point. Do you think these scores are warranted? I mean, I don't know if you finished it or not, but no, you... I'm I've barely I've gotten through the first major temple, and that's okay. it. I, don't, I have no idea how far I am in it, but I don't think I'm that far. Okay, um, but I played it for about almost two hours. Uh, I got a I got a taste of it, a feel for it. I kind of understand what it's going for. Um, how much is it? It's 25? Oh, ouch. Well, maybe 20. I don't know. It was 22 bucks on Steam on discount for, you know, whatever. That's a lot. Op- release. It, it costs a lot. It's expensive. Um, but I tell you. I, <laughs> you so, work on something for nine years. Yeah. You had a lot of money to make back. <laughs> but I tell you, I, I mean, I, so I paid 22 something for it uh, on Steam. I tell you, I'm not regretting that so far. Yeah. I mean, I, used, I paid eighty nine ninety nine for Chrono Trigger, right, so fuck, right. you know, like, <laughs> um, and that was in 1995 money. So, right. Um, it's actually, I think 1995 money at this point is 2016 money. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think anyone's like salaries have gone up since 1995. True, but what things cost has gone up, and that's yeah. what determines the monetary yeah, yeah. value. I'm just joking. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, 20, I mean, I, I think eighty nine. I think that would be about 120 bucks today. Yeah. Which is um, like, so you don't regret your purchase? No, uh, and like, look, I am as sick of the retro. I can't get over the 16-bit graphics thing as anybody yeah. right now. Uh, you know, for for instance, like Hyperlight Drifter is probably that's the last game that looks like that I ever need to play. As yeah. much as I like that game, um, I, you need more. You need more than art style that I re- recognize from what I was in my teenage years. To get my attention anymore. Yeah, because these games this, are a dime a dozen. Typically. And this game goes beyond that art style. I mean, it nails the art style, but the thing is, it feels like playing one of those old games, and that is not common. No, you're with right. These games. A lot of times, it's just like, you know, I mean, I guess Axiom Verge would be a pretty close comparison, where it's like, yeah. well, you, you play Axiom Verge and you feel like you're playing Super Metroid. Yeah. Or yeah. like. Uh, the the Metroid Two remake that got pulled after three yeah. days. So you you play that thing and it feel it feels good. It feels like you know like it felt to play those old games that were so finely tuned. Yeah. This game is like that to me. Um, it just works and it's beautiful and it's got kind of a Studio Ghibli thing going on in a lot of the art style. I like the art style. And it's I'll not it's not like pushover easy. 
Like, you know, there's, it there's doesn't some, look like it. I can, I mean, there, it. There's definitely some challenge here, and there's a couple puzzles where I'm like, oh, I get it now. Like, it's, you know, it, it's not afraid to kind of throw something new at you and not help you, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I dig that. Um, and I would just say, you know, if you loved those kind of old side-scrolling Super Nintendo games, and you're, you know, it's, it, you're, you look at it and you're just like, well, this looks like everything else, but you did love those games, this game feels like that. Okay. It doesn't just look like it. It feels like it. If you would, if you told me that this was oh, some long-lost Super Nintendo gem that we polished up, like I might believe you um, if I knew less about <laughs> how the Super Nintendo hardware, because this is beyond anything that system could do. But, like, yeah, I, I give this one a big recommendation. Is it a 9 or a 10? Like, maybe on the scale of, like, indie retro games? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. Like, I, I, I understand why people are losing their minds over this thing because, like, I don't really go for the crazy nostalgia boom thing very often. And even I'm playing this, I'm just like, this is great. You well, know, one thing I would the say music's is great too. you can it's, see the attention to detail oh, yeah. in that game. Whereas a lot of these indie side-scrollers, like, they play the part. They're almost like a still image versus, like, a movie. In mm. that, you know, everything's kind of rigid and static but almost everything in this game has some kind of an animation routine to it or, or some kind of uh, movement going on. And I think that mm. you don't really notice it right away. It's like you were saying about like the trees swaying and things like that. Like Back in the 16-bit days, that was a big deal. And I think a lot of times these indie developers just kind of take the, the uh, quick way out. And that certainly doesn't look like it was the case for this game. No. So. It takes time. Nine years. Craftsmanship. Yeah. Well, it's made with love, I think. Um, I, I mean, maybe you wouldn't be enthralled by it to the point that you'd finish it. Yeah. Because it feels like it's probably pretty long, just judging by, you know, you ever do that thing where you see, where you, you know, they start, you start to get the objects in like a Metroid Zelda style game and you start to see them fill in the, the inventory screen. You're like, oh, this oh. is a long game. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take me oh, a Oh, there's a lot of slots on yeah. this thing. I um, uh, I can't imagine you'd walk away hating it though. Like, I, I feel like. What about the sifters though? Um, Who would you recommend it to, other than older players like us? Would you recommend it to younger folks? I'd recommend it to just about anybody willing to play a side-scrolling kind of Zelda, Zelda Metroid-style thing. Okay. Like, if you miss Castlevania and, you know, Symphony of the Night kind of stuff, this is there, as long as you don't, you know, if you look at this thing and you're just repulsed by the kind of the kid-friendly graphics, um, maybe that's not for you, but if you like that kind of stuff, if you like Studio Ghibli, if you like Nino Kuni... Even in terms of like the tone, no, it of does kind of have that same vibe. You're yeah. right. Yeah, like that's the kind, and like just the music's great. The music's like, you know, I, I kind of if for another ten bucks you can get it with a soundtrack, and I kind of might go back Wish and get had. that one. Oh, can day. you do that post haste? Yeah, you can buy it. It's DLC essentially. Okay. But I'm if you know if, if it ever goes on like you know Steam sale for the the, the for the the soundtrack, I will probably go back and get that. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about. The Mini NES Classic Edition. It launches on November 11th, coming up really soon. All the reviews have been going out for it over the last couple days. No pre-orders, apparently. Yeah, looks like it's going to be pretty hard to find. Matt, do you have any interest in this thing? No, I have everything I'm interested in on that system on the Virtual Console already. So. Yeah. Who is this for? People Look, who, it's cute and it's cool. And people I, who don't own uh, a 3DS or a, or a Wii U or a Wii and don't know that a virtual console exists and aren't pirates and love Nintendo stuff and see it in the store when they're Christmas shopping and go like, oh, that's cute, and buy it. I think that's who it's for. $60. Yeah, then they'll be like, oh, 60 bucks. <laughs> 
sixty dollars at retail. I don't know. I guess that that price half that would be right. a, half that would make it an impulse buy for me. Yeah, probably. Yeah, especially I would buy. If I, especially if I hadn't played any of those games since I was a kid. For thirty bucks, I'd be like, "Oh, it's so cute," yeah. and I'd just buy it. Or my wife would buy it for me. She'd yeah. be like, "Look at this cute thing I found." Like to her, that would be an impulse. I mean, buy. look, Nintendo fans are going to buy this thing until until it's sold out. You don't need us. You don't need the casuals. You don't need like you know. But if you're going to make a second shipment. I don't know. You know what this reminds me of? Remember that little micro GBA that they put out? Yeah, I have. I still have that. I have the Famicom version it that I got in Japan. It seems like one of those things that it's like, hey, it's totally impossible to play. Anything we know on it's it. impractical because yeah. the, also the cable. I don't know if you know or not, but the controller cords on this are two and a half feet long. <laughs> two and a half feet. <laughs> so basically, you have to sit like right up yeah. with the machine to play it. Which seems really bizarre. Why not just pay an extra 30 cents to have cords that are, like, this long at least? Probably packaging. But, like... Like, I don't well, know are, if you are they, know Are they USB? Theoretically, you just use an extender. They use the Nintendo proprietary controller connections or whatever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because also, all, third parties already have released uh, controller extension cords for it. Oh. Even though it's not even well, out yet. Okay, of course. Of course you accessorize. You know, Nintendo's, Nintendo's in their sell them accessories mode right now, judging by the Switch. I mean, the one thing I would say about this micro console is that they were really smart with the games that they selected. Yeah, there's some good stuff on there. I mean, Where's one, Contra? it just shows you how awesome the NES was. Which Where's no one has. Yeah. There's no Contra. Well, it's Konami. Super C, but no Contra? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? But I think Nintendo did a good job as far as kind of picking. Like, there's a few yeah. omissions, but for the most part, like, the 30 games that are on there are, are some of the best for the platform. And they also are a wide variety. They're not all the same. There's not, like, 25, like, side-scrolling platformers mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a, it's a pretty good snapshot of the whole era. NES era, yeah. And uh, will you buy one, Matt? No. Yeah, I won't buy one either. I have them all on other platforms. I don't need it on a tiny thing that I hook up to my TV and won't reach my couch. Like, I don't, what's the point? Yeah. I, I think got, it's just for like another it was thing cheap. for Nintendo fans to blow right. their money on. I think so, too. But I, if, if it was cheaper, I would buy it just to have a tiny, adorable NES on my shelf or something. Yeah. But like, and then when people look at it and you, like, oh, watch, like, it yeah, actually yeah. works. And you turn it on, and then they play Mario for five minutes. They're like, okay, I get it. it. And yeah. then turn it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are so many better ways to play these games. Mm-hmm. I mean, but way better controllers to use to play them. Although, by all accounts, these controllers are pretty faithful to the original NES yeah. controllers. But but I didn't like them. I never really much. liked them. They're anyway. giant, uncomfortable rectangles. I mean, so. I get that they were crazy innovative, but I never, never, I never held the, the D-pad NES and control. the buttons were crazy innovative. The actual casing just sucked. Right. Like I never played with the NES and was like, "Wow, this controller is so great." Like, I mean, it's, it's telling that as soon as you moved on to the 16-bit era, both major companies were like, "Maybe we should put some curves on these things." You know, like, like maybe one thing I think would be cool though is if you have young kids. Yeah. And you want to turn your kids on to the games that you played when you were young. And you got 60 bucks burning a hole in your pocket for something they're going to look at for five minutes. Yeah. I guess that is a problem. Because they'll just be like, I'll just play on your iPad, Daddy. Yeah. Like... <laughs> or they'll turn it like, look, man, I don't think if you've grown up playing iPad games, you're going to have the patience to figure out where the first dungeon is in Zelda. Yeah. We're, I don't have the patience. We're a different breed. <laughs> we didn't know any better. We didn't have anything else to know any better. And a, I mean, lot of these ga- a lot of these games don't help you. Like there's no, you know, Metro- huh. Metroid is just you know Metroid Here you, you can muddle your way through, but Figured it's like out. there's no map in that game. Nope, I know. 
It's uh, I agree with you. I think it's going to sell out. I have to be the old man yelling at the cloud, but I mean, I used to make maps of the Fantasy Star Two dungeons on graph paper. No one's going. It's not going to happen today. Does he? Do people even have graph paper? No, I don't think so. <laughs> like, this will be one of those things, though, that is on like every holiday shopping guide at yeah. like oh, GQ yeah. and Stuff Magazine, and, and it's going to be something you can't find because it, it's going to sell out. In every list, like if my wife Google's like. Best gifts for your husband, holidays 2016. I guarantee every single list that pops up is going to have... It's going to be right there next to the the refrigerator shaped like a football helmet with the Steelers logo on it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Or like the cooler that's shaped like a football or... Best man cave gifts for 2016. (laughs) Exactly. It's going to sell out. It's going to sell well. I'm not saying it's not going to do well. I just um, don't. It's redundant. I just have it's no, redundant to me. Yeah, it does. I have it on. I have those games. At least any of those games I'm interested in. I have them on other Nintendo systems multiple times over. Yeah. So I don't see the need to give them another sixty bucks. Well, it's good. That's just two that I'll, I'll uh, buy you another, will be able to buy. Matt and I won't yeah, suck up. I'll so. buy. I'll buy another Switch game to make up for it. There you go. That? that works. But uh, yeah, I guess we're both in agreement there. Yeah. Not much there for us as cool, older players. Not. 60 bucks, buy it right now, wait in line on November 11th, cool for me. Yeah. Do you think people will wait in line for that thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Sifters, are you going to wait in line for that thing? I don't know if Sifters will, but Nintendo nuts will. Sure. I mean, there's some Nintendo nuts on Sifted, don't get Some, yeah, but I mean, you know, it would be like a line of three, but I'm saying like, (laughs) if you want one, get there early on November 11th would be my prediction. Yeah. Because I think, uh, I think the Nintendo fans are hungry. And they're whipped they into they're whipped into a consumer. I don't blame them. They're man. whipped into a consumer frenzy right now because of the switch and it's not coming out yet. And this is just something at least something to, to do. It has been one hell of a drought for the Wii U. Yeah. I mean, I mean damn. It's, it's either this or play <laughs> Color Splash again. Yeah, I guess you're right. Which isn't all that good. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about Destiny 2. Yet another little piece of information that came out of Activision's uh, financial report is that they're working on Destiny 2, which we kind of knew about already, and they said one of the main goals of Destiny 2, well, there's two, they said, was one was to make it appeal to a wider audience, and two was to make sure that the DLC plan was executed a lot better than it was for the first game. Do you agree that those are two things that they should be focusing on for the sequel? I don't know. Like, I think they should be focusing on a coherent story. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe something that doesn't quite feel like an MMO from 2005. Yeah. Um, I, which I guess would maybe fall under the, uh, the category of broadening the audience. Yeah, uh, I guess so. That's the latter part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know they've said that they want to make it more, uh, you know, more, more organic. I also notice I just misspelled destined. Destinted. Destinted for TLC. That's great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like they wanted to make it less like you know like they don't want to have the thing where you go back to the you know the, the the solar system map and pick another location and warp there and load there and do that like they want it to be something that unfolds a little more organically from larger hubs and like I think the they talked about how like you know like if you're gonna take like Earth the Cosmodrome from the the first one as an example like in Destiny two like there would probably be a, a player hub on the ground like there that you could then branch out from and do stuff there and it would be more of a seamless experience which i get like you know that's cool like that's you know very 2008 of you but like it's just keep the gameplay intact and give me a story that doesn't make me feel like it's like a prologue yeah you know 
Like, it, like it, when you finish the main story of Destiny, even though it's improved now and there's still more to do because of the expansion packs, at the end you still don't know any more about it than you did when you started. Really, it, was, it, it, it didn't. They didn't, and they never took it anywhere. Like at the end, when that you know the the the, the mech girl from the future or whatever, like. Gives you the gun and leaves and says it's only beginning, and then you never see her again. It's like, like, like they never followed up on <laughs> that. Any was of that was the end for me, by the yeah. way. <laughs> that really was the end. So I, I mean, maybe people don't even care if they just want to bring a new new business on it too. But I think they they have a large number of people who want to jump from one to two, uh, and I would hope that they you know double down on giving me a story that make, tells me something about this world. I mean, I'll, I already know more about Call of Duty Infinite Warfare's world than I do about Destiny, and i played Destiny for 150 hours. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually do agree with Activision. As long as when they're saying, have it appeal to a wider audience, meaning, like, use some verbiage that the average person can understand. Mm-hmm. Like, simplify it. Don't make it so complicated. Don't have, like... One leveling system that you can cap at, like, level 26 of all numbers. And then create this whole other, like, it's just... The whole thing is mind-boggling to me. What game has ever done that? Can you think of any? Oh, I mean, it's standard MMO procedure from, you know, in the sense that... I do not play MMORPGs. Well, it's like, you know, to use Warcraft as an example, like, you hit the, you know, you hit the level cap. Right. You know, back in the day, let's say 60... And then you got to grind the raid stuff and and the dungeons for uh, the raid gear, you know, the higher level gear. So like that's gear, right? But you don't actually. But have that's to go what, up in levels, right? Well, yeah, but that's what the what the light thing was in Destiny. Right. That was just gear rating, basically. It was a, it was a, a level based example, you know, reflection of your gear rating. You hit level twenty, and then you had to start raising your light level. Um, it was just another way of expressing that. It was very confusing because they never explained it. Why not just keep? Why not just go to 27, 28, 29 and just this new gear unlocks and you just keep chugging along? I don't know. <laughs> because what I'm talking about, it's like... Because that's they not how MMOs did it. Look, but that's it. not because no I think it's because that's not how MMOs did. Destiny like obsessively follows this like weird MMO template for all these things that no one likes about MMOs, and put them in there as though like they had to be there or else it wouldn't be an MMO. Like I, I don't have an explanation for most of Destiny's design I don't think choices. most people that bought the game bought it because it was an MMO. No, they bought it because it was a all. bungee shooter. It's certainly not why I played it. No. For as long as I did. Like I ignored the MMO. That's why I stopped how playing I fun, How much fun I had playing with the game. Like if you took all that, you know, and the modern Destiny really doesn't have a lot of that. It's, you know, the, the grind for new equipment is real, for sure, but it's, all part of the actual plane of the game now, and like it's not esoteric. You know, the, the, the light rating is just your armor rating now. Yeah. And it can, you know, it, it's not tied to your level. It's not something you can only up by going to the raid stuff anymore. There's multiple ways to get, you know, good versions. There's ways of, of various pieces of equipment. You can, you know, keep upgrading your favorite equipment by consuming, you know, new higher level equipment and like, you know, upping your favorite equipment's rating up to like what you just got. So you never have to, like, you know, if you have an outfit you like, you never have to lose it. Um, they made it much more friendly in that regard. It's still a giant grind, but at least you get to do things you like to do well, to get those things rather than, like, I gotta grind reputation on this stupid faction for, like, a week, you know? But I it's, think, think there's still a lot. get people to come back. Oh, I think there's still a long way they can go toward making it just a more fun game to play and making the... The grind and sort of the the carrot on the stick less obvious. You know what I mean? Like, make it more fun. Again, 
the, the still the big downside is like I go back to these areas, you know, in the Rise of Iron stuff. I went back to some of these areas doing some of these other quests I hadn't done before in the Taken King, and I'm just like, yeah, I know every single inch of this section because I've been through it four thousand right. times at this point. I felt like that when you I gotta, finished. You like, got to give me campaign. more stuff to do, and I don't just mean like go back to the same area you've been to a hundred times and, and shoot this and put a new enemy, shoot a in blue there version of this right. enemy. I mean like give me more content. If you're going to make a shooter, that content's going to get, you know, it's like the Sonic the Hedgehog problem. It's like, yeah, everybody wants these big roller coaster style levels, but it takes you forever to make this level that somebody gets through in 10 minutes and now they want another one. Right. Well, that's the nature of a shooter. It you got to keep yeah. giving people somewhere new to go, something new to see, and something new to kill. Or just make it really fun to play competitively. Look that at too. Overwatch. I mean, Overwatch has probably made as much or more money than Destiny, and it doesn't even have a campaign. Yep. Like, but it does have a very strong narrative and character element. For sure. And, and I would outside of argue the game that's itself. one of the worst elements of Destiny. Like, I yep. don't really care about any of the characters or any of the lore, I will, really. Well, I will say this. Uh, a lot of the characters become really cool characters in The Taken King. Oh, really? Like, The Taken King is much more what that game should be. Like, constant radio chatter, uh, the Nathan Fillion character, I think his name Cade Six, I think. Uh, maybe names that are real names. That'll be good. That's what I was talking um, about. Like all the verbiage in the nomenclature yeah. they use for this series, I hate it. But they're but they're it's very funny, and, they, and you get a sense of the personalities of these other. Otherwise, they were just like the blank faced character, you know, blank faced character models you go to to get upgrades. You know. I mean, I found it really ironic that the most popular weapon in this game, most people can't pronounce. Oh, the Gallarhorn. Yeah. yeah. It's like you read it. Like, how do you pronounce that? Like, and it's the most popular weapon in the game. Well, well to be fair, that is an actual language. I mean, it's it's uh, I know. Nordic. Yeah. But, but there's a lot of Norse stuff going on in this game. There is. I have no idea why they chose that angle of all things. It's really bizarre that. I don't. Know, I always thought it was a little uncomfortably similar to uh, Too Human. Yeah, a little bit. But Too Human like wore it on its sleeve. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, in interviews, like he would talk about Dennis Dyack would talk about how they went for Norse mythology with mm. the game. So, but I mean, there's I don't know if Bungie ever went on record with that. For maybe not, but there's Destiny. a lot. Of, I mean, there's trolls and goblins, and yeah. you know, everybody's got their weird names of things, and yeah, everything, you know, you're at the top of the world. There's snow everywhere, and new new DLC. Definitely, Rise of Iron has a very Viking kind of feel to it. Yeah, everybody's got fur. On their collars of their battle armor power. Pick suit something thing. and stick with it, Bungie. Yeah, like I don't know. That game to me just seems completely scattershot and all over the place. It seems like they never really had a solid plan from the beginning, and it just they are like we're just think, twisting in the wind. Like oh, the wind's blowing this way now. I think I'll they had a, over here. Yeah, I think they had a solid plan, but I just think they it didn't work. It didn't survive contact with the enemy, and the enemy was us. Yeah. And then they tried to readjust. And oh, we they, look, we all jumped in. Everybody oh, yeah. played it and bought it, and like. And they're like, wait a minute, that's it. You know, I wonder, too, if this could be another Watch Dogs, where everybody gave it a chance the first time, and when the sequel comes out, people are like, eh? Somewhat, but like, I think you know, they, they keep setting new player user records every time they put out one of their major expansions. Do they? they Rise of Iron like, was some kind of crazy... I mean, like, they made tons of money off that wow. thing. Like, people came back. People want this game to be good. I mean, I see people good. in my Facebook feed every once in a while talking about how they're still playing Destiny. Yeah, and... nope. People really want this game to be good. I think people will give Destiny 2 a shot, but Bungie needs to be willing to basically go all the way back to the drawing board on this thing, outside of how it feels to shoot something in the head. Yeah. Which like, feels really Don't good. change that. Which feels really good, by yeah. the way. <laughs> that is definitely one part of the game I like. But in terms of like how you get me from point A to point B, they need to figure out a way that does not come from World of Warcraft circa 2005. Yep. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about 
Hitman. Hitman just wrapped up its first season. I think this is uh, the first ever big budget, AAA, whatever the hell you want to call it, game that went episodic. Mm. And have you played much of the Hitman episodes? No. No? So I... I don't like Hitman very much. How come? Um, I don't know. I just feel like, for the most part, I played a lot of the early ones, and I just thought it was they were clunky and didn't really make a lot of sense in terms of how they wanted me to do things. And I always felt That's like... That's the whole thing about Hitman, though, is that they don't tell you how to do things. Right, you... but like part of the reason I had trouble figuring out how to do things was not because like I didn't know what I wanted to do, but because it, it, I, it, has trouble, it used to have trouble kind of communicating what you could do. And, like, so, I mean, it was supposed to be an experimentation, but I have very little patience with stealth. And so, like, the idea of, like, well, I guess I'll just, like, see if I can steal this guy's hat or whatever and, like, be the... I, I just don't care. Like, I, like, it's so much work for so little, like, payout that I just, in the end, I'm just like, can I just shoot him? And then you just shoot him, and the game kind of seems like it's disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, like... <laughs> Why'd you go and do that? <laughs> And there's some. I've I've watched some videos. It's cool. There was one I remember. One of my favorites was like this really elaborate thing where this guy did all these things that basically allowed him to wire the bottom of a glass bottom hot tub to explode, and it blew it out, and the guy fell like a thousand feet, like off a mountain or something. I'm like, that's pretty awesome. I have no interest in doing that myself, but I'm glad I saw that. I think if you go if you go way far back, the people who enjoy games like Hitman are the people who, when they were little kids, enjoyed the board game Mouse Trap, Mm, where like. You have the cause and effect. Like, some people really get into that. Like, I do this, and this happens. And Mousetrap was like that, except it was like a domino that went all the way around the board, and that's kind of the way this game is. It's like, you make one mistake, and then one person picks up on it, and then you try to correct, and it just it's like dominoes until mm-hmm. eventually you blow the mission. And I think that's why it's rewarding for people when they do manage to pull off, like, a mission without being detected or... And the other thing, too, is that you can do it how you want. Like, you said, like, oh, I shot the guy in the game, made me feel bad for it, which is accurate. It does kind of (laughs) guilt you a lot of times. But the truth of the matter is, is you could do it that way. And you could shoot your way through it, or somebody else could completely sneak through the whole thing, never fire a single bullet, and still complete the mission. I think that's kind of the draw of Hitman. And I think that's really, like, one of its tent poles is that you have to be able to accomplish missions in myriad ways. And whatever way you like to do it, you should be able to do it. And I think Hitman has done a good job of doing that. And I think that it did a good job in this episodic series, too. But what I really wanted to talk about is, do you see other publishers following suit and doing this? Because keep in mind that they are going to compile everything onto one disc, ultimately, and put it out in retail. But they haven't done that yet. So you've had to kind of... Pick up the breadcrumb trail, one crumb at a time, as they've kind of doled it out. And, of course, they had the exclusive deal with PlayStation 4, where they had, like, the some missions that you can only play on there. And they have, like, the targets in the game mm-hmm. that you get one chance to take them out. And if you don't get it done, one of which it's went, gone. One of which went up during E3, right? I might add. And I had some friends who had, were at E3 who were very irritated that they could... I had some friends who were trying to talk uh, square... PR and letting them log on to the demo at the stations show. at the show <laughs> so they could kill the target and get credit for it. Oh, that's funny. I'm like, yeah, I was kind of mean yeah. to do that that, that, that that way. I mean, I like the idea of that. Like, that's a cool thing. I just, you know, I can't play everything, and one of the things I'm willing to sacrifice to not play is Hitman. Yeah. Um, I play. I did play about half of Absolution, which was fine. Yeah. I, you know, it just doesn't do a lot for me. Well, a lot of the prior Hitman games were really buggy. 
Oh, I know. Lots of like game-breaking <laughs> yeah. bugs. And when you're playing a game that's like that detail-oriented and that you have to be that meticulous while you're playing it, one little bug or issue is just enough to make you like fly off the handle. Mm. And so, in that way, the games have kind of bothered me in the past because they have, a lot of them have been buggy, like really buggy, like crazy stuff happening. And that's funny the first couple times it happens, and after that, it's not funny anymore, and you just mm. <laughs> it just makes you angry. So because well, you spend so much time doing, I mean, that's the thing is like. Starting a level in Hitman is is a commitment. It is, yeah. You know? You're going to be there for 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. And uh, if everything goes... I mean, I know you can save scum it, but, like, I generally don't do that. Yeah. I try to do it, like, I guess honest is not really the right word, but, like, you know, I try not to, like... Cheese use, it. I try not to use quick save to succeed, right. you know? And, like, I just don't have the patience for... It's sort of like how I, it took me so long to get over through the Dark Souls thing. is like... I don't want to play for this amount of time and then feel like I got nothing done. And uh, whereas Dark Souls, I finally learned, it's like, oh, there's a way to do that where it doesn't feel like that. Hitman always feels like that to me. So, for and us- I always screw it up. I might, I, I, yeah, I'm sure a perfect run on Hitman is really like you know gratifying, but I don't think I've ever actually pulled one of those off. So that kind of brings up the question: How would you feel if a game like the next Dark Souls decided to roll out content like this? Um. I would wait until it was all out and play it then. Would you? Yeah. I don't care about the episode. Even if it's thing. something you really want to play. No. Like, The Last Guardian, what if they rolled it out that way episodically? No, I will wait until the game is out. Because Are you playing Telltale's Batman? No. Wow. Well, I mean, I played the first chapter because we were going to talk about yeah. it, and now I'm waiting until the others are all out, and I'll play through them. Interesting. I don't... And I mean, again... again I, I do that for a lot of the smaller stuff. Like, Telltale's games, I'll do that way. Although I thought Batman might put you over the top. No. But... I'd rather just play it all like at once. Like, episodic adventure games, like, I'll wait until they're all out and play it all, because a lot of times, Man, I don't too, even watch TV shows week yeah. to week. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, you know, the, the, the era of DVR and all this stuff has really put me in this, like, you know, I'll do it on my terms, on my schedule, on yeah. my time, and uh, I would rather binge stuff, basically. Um, a lot and, of people do that. And yeah, that's not necessarily how things are supposed to be played or watched sometimes, but like, that's just how I prefer to do it, and uh, if someone, you know, like this Hitman, I haven't played any of this, I might play it once it's all out in one package. Um, I realize I missed all the, you know, targets of opportunity or whatever that they did. Elusive you know, targets. Elusive targets. Um, okay, you know, I didn't, I wasn't playing the game, so I don't know why that's important. Right. So, <laughs> I don't have any investment, you know. But do you think another big budget AAA game will ever do this? Probably. Yeah? I don't know who. I mean... Here's the thing: it's like I've been relegated I feel to like, indie games. Yeah, so but I feel like if you're doing this, like you better be sure that you're going to get to the end. You know, like I can see, see I can it see works like for Hitman because like I can his see someday when like a really separate and like yeah, it's like now you're going to Sarajevo and now you're going to go to well, that's Morocco. Not, well, like and, my concern is like, look, I mean, presumably this game comes together into a coherent full story, right? Like I don't know if it does. Does it, or it's just a bunch of scenes? I only played the first. Two, three episodes. Because there's not a whole lot of games like that. I mean, I guess Deus Ex kind of does that with the DLC. Yeah. Uh, the DLC for Deus Ex is sort of just standalone side stories. I couldn't... Uh, playing the first couple episodes, I could not see an overarching narrative across mm-hmm. all of them. Like, it was basically like, here at this place, here is your target, go get him. Well, I mean, I think this this model is vi- is fine and viable uh, until the day someone, you know, one of these major publishers decides to do this, and halfway through it, it's not selling, and they decide to pull the plug, and they don't finish it. Yeah, and that is the end of that. Model. That would be a travesty. Yeah. yeah, 
because you can't do that. Well, on the flip side, or you, you know, if, if the developer is struggling, they may, if you have to do, finish the whole game, the game may just be canceled altogether. So mm-hmm. there's uh, two sides so of that. So you rather have half a game or no game? Yeah. I think a lot of people might pick no game in that yeah. situation. Rather than to get Otherwise teased and not be able to finish yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, and, or, or at the very least, it would create a hunger that would never go away until somebody kickstarted it, Shenmue 3. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know if there's a right answer to that. I feel like uh, even if the price ends up the same in the end, I feel like the episodic thing sort of feels like you're being strung along. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I I wait. feel like you just lose interest after a while. Yeah. And that's why I wait until all the episodes are out for the adventure games. Because it's like, the other problem too is that like sometimes it takes a month and a half, two months in between episodes for some of these games. And you start to lose some of the nuance mm-hmm. of the plot and the characters that you've been dealing with. And Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, like life is strange. Like that's right. why I waited all that time to just I just played it all in one go. Yeah, it was same. great. Like, what's well, also why I've stopped playing Kentucky Route Zero. You know, it's, it's like it's I, like a page turner. It's, it's fanta- like you I mean, finish Kentucky an episode, you're like, great, oh, but... I can't wait. This it's it's like binge watching, just like right. you said. And like playing Life is Strange is like binge watching. Well, and also like like something you know something takes a long time. Like Kentucky Route Zero. I'm like, okay, well, I love I love Act One and Two, but they're taking literally years to get the next three out, yeah. and I know I'm going to have to play the others again to remind myself to what they what were. Happened, yeah. So why don't I just wait and do it all at once? That happened with yeah. me with King's Quest. When, I played when, the first couple episodes and then missed a few, and now they're, is that it, all just, out? it just finished. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the then, last one just came out last that week. That seemed to take a while, didn't it? Yeah, like, like I year? said, about a month and a half like per episode. So And like like with Batman, I know when, when Batman's done, I'm going to play the first one, first episode again. Yeah, you have just, to. Just to kind of reorient myself. Yeah, remember all the plot points and everything. So... I I don't think will this will become a trend. No, this but I could see I, I could see kind of maybe each publisher picking a franch picking one of their franchises to do this Where it with. Would work and you know, like Hitman. Maybe. Hitman, it clearly works. Yeah. Um, in my dream scenario, this is how EA would bring Wing Commander back. No. Because you don't really need, you know, if you you just a little, little mission packs, you know. Yeah. Like a two-hour mission pack every couple months. That just or maybe it all adds up in a sort of an overall arcing campaign somehow. But like just some kind of little standalone, like we're we're in this system now, and we've got here's a pack of like six missions, like secret the secret missions expansions. Before we move on, but the like, one thing I would say for Hitman, where I think this thing. worked, is because Hitman has been a part of the gaming conscious now for a year. Mm. Every other Hitman game comes out within a week. Nobody's talking about it anymore. Mm. That's it. It has like its core fans, and they're going to play it. They're going to say it's awesome. Everyone moves on, but you know we just we've been publishing trailers for Hitman on Sifted for a year now. Yeah, it certainly is the most I've thought about Hitman in a very the, long time. So, in a lot of ways, it has really worked for them. Yeah. I don't know financially; they haven't really said yet whether it's you know they've made more money stringing it out or if they would have made more money in one big chunk when it came out. But I know as far as like mm-hmm. gamer consciousness, like it has been there all along ever since Sifted launched. Yeah, that's, a, been that's a good point. And also, I mean, to me, like. It's almost, you know the the early episodes are almost like mar- a marketing. Yeah. You know? Like to me, the release date of this game is the day everything is available. Yeah. But like it's like the early episodes it's are just like, like really really robust previews. <laughs> 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 All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Star Wars Battlefront Two EA's earnings report. They started Ooh. spouting off about Battlefront Battle 2. Battlefront 1 isn't even done coming out yet. Yeah. And it Battlefront 2 coming out next holiday season. So like six months from the final DLC of Battlefront 1. Yeah. Which is inevitably going to be Rogue One. Well, they're saying that 
Battlefront 2 is going to be Force Unleashed. Mm. Yeah, Battlefront 2, they said a lot of the content for that is going to be based on the Force Unleashed. Force Awakens. Force Awakens, yeah. sorry, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> no, the like, Force yeah. Awakens. Force Awakens, yeah, because yeah. like, they'll have Episode 8 coming that, that this December, and they'll have more to work with there, yeah. Yeah. Because that was a weird thing where, like, for some reason, Lucasfilm was insistent that all of Battlefront 1 had to take place in the same era. So the closest they could get to Force Awakens was to actually show the Battle of Jakku, which happens shortly after the Return of the Jedi. You know what I just realized is that they are just completely running out of subtitles for games and movies based on the Star Wars universe. Well, yeah. You can only use the Force so many times. <laughs> They've never called anything the Force in the movies yeah. before that one. But yeah. uh, the Force Unleashed, the Force Awakens. Do you think it's too early Rouge for Battlefront 2? Rouge 1. <laughs> Um, here's the thing. I think Battlefront should have been a platform. Yeah. I mean, I I think if you bought Battlefront 1, you should be able to just get a season pass for Battlefront 2 and not pay a $60 fee. How much better are they going to make Battlefront 2 look? Not. I mean, it's it's the process. Hardly at all. It's going to be the same engine. You're paying for new content, not a new game. Well, they want you to pay that whole $60 up front again. Yeah, well, I'll see you episode 8 and then I'll pick and decide. Yeah. I, uh,. I think it's pretty Battle, Battlefront 1 has such a nostalgia thing going for it because it was original trilogy stuff that I think like Battlefront 2 is a harder sell if you're going to like really root it in the new movies. Especially because only two of the three are out. Yeah. And apparently you can't use Rogue One because I think Rogue One is going to be the last DLC right. for uh, Battlefront 1. Right. Well, I think Rogue One will probably also be in Battlefront 2. It can't but... be, though, because it's too far removed timeline-wise. But, I mean, look, they have... Well, I don't know. That was the whole thing. That's why the Battle of Jakku is the only Force Awakens related thing in Battlefront 1 is Lucasfilm uh, insists the games confer- conform to a particular time section. Gotcha. So Rogue One takes place like a week before Episode 4, right. so that can go into Battlefront 1. But like, it can't go into Battlefront 2 because Battlefront 2 is set during the third trilogy. Right. And like the, the, the overall response to all of that that I have is, who cares? Yeah, I know. Just it's so put ridiculous. stuff in the game. Yeah. Like, why can't I, we just get what we want? It is ridiculous. Like, like, oh no, this part's, you know, this planet was from the prequels. Who cares? It's it doesn't funny. matter. It's put a it freaking first-person shooter. Also, also <laughs> it's a planet. It was there already. The pla- yeah. planets don't go anywhere unless the Death Star blows them up. So just right. go put Alderaan in it and you're good. Like, is going to be there in whichever trilogy you're in. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, uh, how do you feel about how EA is meeting out the Star Wars content? You feel like it's doing a good job of it? Do you think it's too really... early for Battlefront 2? It's too early for Battlefront 2 in the sense that, like... I think it'll tank. Like, not tank. It won't tank. It but won't, it won't sell it won't, as well as Battlefront. Yeah, it won't 1. have the hype behind it that Battlefront One did. And the other thing is, like, look, man, give us a campaign. Yeah. Give us a galaxy, the galaxy conquest. Thing. See, that's Why the other thing. Is... I don't think that they have enough time no. to do that. No, because they're still working on the DLC. Like, I think this is basically going to be DLC. Yeah, except it's going to be they're going to charge you sixty charge bucks, 60 for bucks it. and another fifty bucks for the season pass. And I'm guessing again, no campaign. I would not be surprised. Because they didn't need one to sell this one, so why would they need one to sell another one, right? Well, I think they will need. Well, yeah, I, th- one I think they will. <laughs> it's exactly the point. But they if you're if you're in, um, if you're like balancing the books and making the marketing choices, you're like, well, we didn't have one before, and it sold like crazy. Yeah, but that's what, I, what I'm getting at is I think that they're going to start pushing the tolerance levels of the Star right. Wars fans here. Like, well, also it's like, look, the smart move 
if you're moving forward with the Star Wars releases as EA, the smart move was to release Amy Hennig's game at the end of next year. Yeah. But it's not going to be ready, so you have to release something. You and don't have to. You really don't. You don't, but they think they do. <laughs> they think they do. So, the stockholders think that they do. So here you go. You know what would be better? How, what, what if you just remastered X-Wing? Yeah. And called it a day? I mean, how long has that team been working on Amy's game now? Long Two time. years already? Several Three years. years. Yeah. Why isn't the game done? All those resources at EA, this isn't some... I don't have anything... Jalopy I don't have organization anything, here. I don't have anything I can source to tell you about that. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> It's not going to take nine years, but I think there's been a lot of disagreement behind the scenes about what it, what it should be. Uh, um, I'm you, sure somebody wants it to be an open world game. EA wants somebody it. To, wants I guarantee it to you, be EA really... wants it to be like some kind of open world Jedi simulator, right. and probably you know Amy Hennig maybe wants, wants it to be, it to be wants to be uncharted with Han Solo. Yeah. And like, I mean, look at the guy that walks out of that doorway yeah. in that five seconds of footage we got. That's Han Solo. It is. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> And also, look, it's coming out probably at the end of 2018, or somewhere in 2018. What comes out in 2018? The Young Han Solo movie. I'm surprised that they showed even that five-second clip of that game. That was more than not, I thought we'd get. If it's not coming out until then. Like, well, they got to do something. I mean, it's been... At this point, you're going to have it... How many years has it been since EA announced they got the Star Wars license and they'll have put out Star Wars Battlefront? Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, I get why they feel they have to put Battlefront 2 out, because nothing else is ready to go. I mean, they've also got Star Wars The Old Republic, but I think that's a very limited audience. Yeah, for sure. They've, they seem to have found their profitability niche with that game, but it's not going to get any bigger than it they is. They just need to be careful, because they don't want to burn people out on Star Wars before what are really their big games come right. out. Well, also, you know, I think they're, the opportunity they're leaving on the table in terms of synergy with the games and versus the movies... And maybe this will happen in the in the standalone movie after Episode Nine, uh, which is still rumored to be Young Yoda. But like you know, there's there's room for discussion probably. Look, if you string all the cinematics from Star Wars: The Old Republic together, you have a better Star Wars movie than anything made since Empire. No, Strikes you're Back. right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> Set it in that era. Give whoever's making the the choreography decisions in those game tra- those cinematics free reign to you know. Make make the Old Republic the movie. Yeah, you want people to flock to that game. Like that would there's your interest in that game. All of a sudden, it's like right. that's where that is. And if you want to, you know, you think, I mean, I am shocked, even as someone who loved it to death, that Old Republic is still live. Um, so clearly, they found their balance. But that is an era that is rich with possibility. You've got the Knights of the Old Republic stories to tell. You've got those characters that are great. You've got. You know, it's it's familiar, but it's new. It's 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 removed from the original trilogy and those films that you can do whatever the hell you want. It will never impact continuity in the main Star Wars zone. Uh, I think there's tons. And it recanonizes like one of the you know Bioware's older public stuff is some of the best expanded universe stuff that would recanonize it for the new you know Disney era. It's a it's a win win situation, and I think they should take advantage of it. All right, let's talk next about Mass Effect Andromeda. Also at the EA earnings call. It was mentioned on the call with stockholders that Mass Effect could be delayed a couple months or many more. Mm. That all they're concerned about is getting the quality right. I think we agree with that. Yeah. I think they said something like up to seven months or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Which means I'm which not going anywhere near it in next year's Fantasy which Draft. Would put it in, which would put it in like the October, November realm. 
Doesn't that make more sense? Don't you think that's just the plan all along? I don't know. Mass Effect has always come out in January before. Yeah, but, I mean, the Q1 is so crowded now. January is super crowded. That was back when January was barren. I'll tell you what, in calling back that GameStop uh, report... I'm going to be real to see what this, interested to see what the sales of various games are in February because I don't think people have enough money to spend on all these damn things. It's a lot. And that's what I'm saying. So it sounds to me like the plan all along could have just been Q4. Like, mm. once they delayed it out of this Q4 into Q1... I'm sure they were looking seriously at Q1, but at this point it's just like, you know what, if we really... you know, It's like either we release in this crazy crowded zone and compete with a new Nintendo system that we're not on, or we give it a few more months of polish, which can only be good for it. We release it in a more holiday-centric zone where we can kind of have that that week or that two weeks to ourselves. Like, I think it makes more sense to put this Mass Effect game out in a more holiday, holiday era, considering what Q1 looks like right now. I think it'll do way better. Even put it out in August. You know, make it like one of the first big summer games game, of the, of the, end of of summer, the holiday, first. kind of that, you know, that crossover time, that late August period. I could see that. Or it could just be the biggest Q4 game of next year and make Maybe. so much freaking money. Like, well, we'll outdo Call of Duty, whatever Treyarch's going to be. This is one of those games that does have a chance to outsell Call of Duty. One of the few franchises, I think, in the industry that would have a chance to outsell it. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be against that, but I'd be a little surprised. Oh, I would definitely be surprised. But I think it has a chance, provided all the stars mm-hmm. align. As long as, I mean, I assume they'd move it away from Battlefront 2 <laughs> somewhere, but so depending on where that's going to launch. Well, I, I wouldn't assume that at all. They released Battlefield 1 and Titanfall 2, like, a weeks apart. Yeah, but the Titan- And now Titanfall 2 respawns, crying the blues, saying we had no control over it, we don't know where that day came from. Yeah. Hmm. All right, let's move on. Uh, big news this week, PlayStation 4 Pro, 40 games at launch. Way, way more than I ever thought. Uh, I know a lot of people on Sifted have been talking about how they didn't think there was any content coming for it, and they're like, why buy it? Now, this is basically games that have a pro mode. Right. Right. So, even yeah. like older, like inf- infamous Second Son and right. Last of Us Remastered. Yep. Any, any game that has any sort of compatibility with PlayStation 4 Pro as far mm-hmm. as enhancements are concerned. Uh, 40 games at launch in a week. There'll be 40 games that will make use of the more powerful hardware of PlayStation 4 Pro. Pretty good. I think that's really good. Um, I guessed, you know, once they, they showed it off the first time, I think, what did they say, like 11 or something like that? Yeah. That they I announced think, it first when they showed I think they basically were talking the first party, though. Right. 40. Or Sony published, rather. Yeah. I'll tell you what I'm disappointed is not getting the PS4 Pro treatment. It's Bloodborne. Yeah. That is a shame. I wonder yeah. why that is. Japan. It's too far removed, I guess. Sony doesn't want to throw more money at it, maybe? I mean... Or maybe they have nobody to work on it. They're working on their next project. That could be. I mean, it's a, sh- it's a shame that Bloodborne wouldn't get... Especially because there's nowhere else to play that. No, you're right. It's you the know? only platform that you can play it on. So, I, that disappoints And that me. hasn't changed, either, which is crazy. No, well, that's never going to change. You know, Sony Demon, funded it Demon's all. Souls never came oh, you're right. to anything else, that's either. That's a good point, yeah. So, those are both exclusive. Which I'm so. sure people would love to see a PC version of Demon's Souls, oh, but not going to happen. I think a lot of people would love to see an Xbox version of Demon's Souls. Well, that's really never going to happen. Yeah. But uh, you know, a PC version, you know, I think people held out hope for a while, but no Sony-funded game has ever come to PC. Demon's Souls will like be remastered next generation, and people will freak out over it. Yeah. Because it actually needs remastered. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if there's any game in that series that really needs a remaster... 
That's it. Yeah. I could even see if they had done something like that for PlayStation 4 Pro, people might go crazy over it. Yeah. I would. I mean, I think that would sell. I went back and played that recently, now that I understand the appeal of the series. Right, right. Because that was a game, originally I got it for review, and like, I had, to, I backed off, it's the only review I've ever backed out of. Because I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell this is, I don't know, yeah. this game's not for me, I don't get it. Yeah. And I played it again last year, I think, I went back, I I burned through like half that game, no problem. Like, it yeah. was like, it all made sense now. Now that you get it. It was, it yeah. was, it's crazy how that game is like... I don't know. It's like riding a bike. Like you know, that one time suddenly it's like you stay up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I'm you're, looking, you're I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to you having that breakthrough. I hope it happens live on stream. I hope it happens. We'll see. You're buying a PlayStation Four Pro. Yeah. Are you happy with that? Forty games. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not buying forty games. Well, of course but not. I have a lot of them that are. But you're happy work. with that? You have that many options yeah. coming out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, it's more than I thought I'd have. I'm actually kind of looking forward to going back to Second Son. Yeah. See what it looks like. Yeah. I haven't played that game since I finished it, like, years ago. How much do you think that's going to happen, though, where you go back and play something, again, that you already played just because it has, like, enhancements on PS4 Pro? I will. I mean, I'll probably do that with almost everything they do that with. Uh, I don't know if I'll finish it. You know, that's yeah. a long game. But, like, I'll go back and see what it looks like and be like, oh, cool. Glad I did this. Going back to Skyrim. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, um... Yeah, yeah, in our poll that we did for PlayStation 4 Pro, a lot of people had commented in there, like, there's no content for it, there's no content. And then, like, an article came out, I think GameSpot published it, it was, like, the 20 best PlayStation 4 Pro games, and now, then, today, they come out with the 40 number. So, mm-hmm. looking pretty good for yeah. a PlayStation 4 Pro. Yeah, I mean, my eyes are more on the future with that system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Look, like that's a, look, yeah, I mean, look, that's a Horizon Zero Dawn machine it is, in, yeah. in a lot of very real <laughs> ways for me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see if, uh, you know, the improvements on uh, some PSVR stuff. I, I heard that uh, it's Rob- so crazy, though, how Robinson even might support that to some degree. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. it comes out the same day. So. It's so crazy, though, how you can see the difference in PlayStation 4 Pro footage even in 720p. Yeah. Like, this footage that we're watching right now, you can tell the difference in the other footage that we've watched throughout oh, yeah. the show. It's well, also like amazing. you know, and again, I I can't take advantage of it because uh, uh, I don't have a TV that supports it. But the HDR makes a difference. Yeah, even I don't the, have the HDR TV even either. on the PlayStation Four, just slim. Yeah. like it makes a difference. Yep, for sure. All right, let's move on. John Carmack, we all love him. Seems like a really nice guy. Genius. Very smart. Is he? Yeah. Or is he just borrowing from his from other people? Mm, I think I no, think the guy I think the guy who made <laughs> Doom smart. is legitimately smart. <laughs> yeah, I think he's smart too. However, this court case is going on between Oculus and Zenimax, where Zenimax is accusing him of basically stealing technology and information from them, and then taking it over to Oculus to finish off Oculus Rift. At first, we kind of blew it off. We were like, whatever, they're just salty dogs and. Carmack's a genius, and there's no way he would ever do anything like that, blah, blah, blah. Well, now, it's starting to look like Carmack may have actually done what they're accusing him of. They basically hired an independent person or firm or service or whatever to go back and look through all the documentation. And as it turns out, the hard drive that John Carmack turned over has dubious missing files on it. From exactly around the time, the period of time where they are alleging that he stole the information. 
If it turns out that it's true and John Carmack did, in fact, steal this technology and go to Oculus and ultimately make a lot of money off of it, would it change your opinion of him at all? Not particularly, because I find that geniuses have a tendency to sometimes think rules don't apply to them. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times it works out well, and sometimes it works out as a lawsuit. Yeah. So, uh, and also... Par for the damn course with the Oculus this year. I mean, yeah. it's not. It's I am turning into a dumpster fire. Pre- pre- pretty happy I did not invest in that company. Yeah. Um, unless you'd already gotten your payout and gotten out, then you're then you're sitting pretty. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it's looking more and more like this Oculus thing was sort of like a a really weird conglomeration of creepy weird events and, and people cheating and. Nazis and yeah, what the <laughs> hell? It's like some kind of Indiana Jones movie. It's so funny. My I can don't know if I can think of another company where my opinion of them changed so drastically <laughs> in like a year's time. Yeah, like usually it takes like a company to really beat you down before you finally like I don't like you anymore. Yeah, and, like, just... and here we have a company that I've never even bought any of their products no. outside of like two games that I played on other competitors' hardware. Yeah, and and I've I've used the Oculus Rift and it's fine. It's good. Yeah, it's, a, it's great. In a lot, in some ways, it's better than the, than the Vive in terms of I think uh, clarity in yeah. some ways. Uh, but um, yeah, <laughs> they're wow, just, they're spitting the bit. That's really what it seems to be. And so what happens if they find out that, in fact, he did steal the technology? I guess Facebook owes Zenimax a lot of money. Like, how much money? Or does Facebook owe them, or does Carmack owe them? I don't know. I don't know. If Carmack owes like, the money, he I mean, you've got yeah, after Carmack, but do they, do they also go after Oculus? I don't, I don't know who they're specifically suing. Um, I assume both. I think it's... Oculus that they're going Oculus? after. Yeah, I don't think they're do have like a. I would think you suit. go after Oculus because they're the ones with the cash. Right, like they're the ones that. Uh, can what's the point? Pay you. I mean, Carmack has money, obviously, but not money like he doesn't have he, Facebook, he have Facebook money. money. Yeah, no. he's got like a couple hundred million dollars. You want that Zuckerberg cash? He may not even have that much. He maybe has a hundred million. You think Carmack? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously that's nowhere near Facebook money. No, um, and that's not Oculus money either. I mean. Palmer Lucky is a billionaire. Almost. Basically. He's like uh, a 950 millionaire or something right. like that. Like he's close I mean, that's, that's a billionaire, yeah. basically. I mean, he's probably made the other 50 million in interest already yeah. to become the billionaire. I mean, he's, 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 he's not like being like, well, I mean, maybe I should get the smaller yacht. You know, like yeah. you're, you're not at that point. Yeah. But if you talk to like insiders who worked on Oculus, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, he did stuff like figured out how the headband would work like using duct tape or whatever like that like that was kind of his contribution to the mm. project not the actual nitty-gritty tech part of it and he's a billionaire so Carmack could be worth a lot of money but yeah. not enough to make it worth going after him instead of facebook right and well, facebook well, what's facebook fa- thinking remember, right now facebook is the one who made both of them Oh, I know. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. Well, I wonder, too, if he had to sign some kind of agreement. Because, look, Facebook may have caught wind of what was going on. ZeniMax may have contacted him already and said, hey, like, one of your people, blah, 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 at Oculus, blah, blah, blah. Maybe Facebook had Carmack or someone sign some kind of agreement saying, look, if this ever comes to back to get us and you swear, you're swearing that this is all mm-hmm. your 
proprietary tech and you haven't borrowed it from anyone. And, and Carmack has been on record denying it over and over again. So I mean, it could end up being just sort of a difference of opinion on how, you know, because you know, part, part of what they're after here could just be like he did some of this work on ZeniMax's time or ZeniMax's equipment or in ZeniMax's laboratories or whatever. Yeah. You know, because like I said, sometimes genius is just like, oh, I have this idea and I want to do this thing and I'm just going to go use this facility I have right. You know, it's like, you write your win- your Oscar-winning screenplay on your work computer. Your you know the company you worked for can claim rights to that screenplay. Yeah, you're right. So like it might be something like that too. Could be. I mean, we don't know the details on these things. At least I don't know the details. Maybe maybe there are details out there. Maybe we'll never know details because a lot of times these things get settled and yeah, out of court. Yeah. And, and one of the you know one of the conditions is everybody has to be quiet forever. I honestly, if I found out that it was true, that Carmack did steal someone else's work, I, it would change my opinion of him. But I, mean, I think that's because I have such a high opinion of but him. See, but see, that's my question. is like, who is he stealing the work from? Like, I feel like... I feel from like this... people he was working with at ZeniMax. Mm-hmm. But, but would, he, would he have been... Like, someone else came up with a thing and he stole that thing? Or would it have been like he was sort of unofficially leading a team and to work on Are you on saying did he steal his own work or someone else's work? I'm th- thinking... My theory on this, and I have no because proof, you're right. Proof or evidence, Whatever work he did while he was at Zenimax is, is owned by Zenimax. Right. Yeah. So technically, he could have stolen his own. I work. think that's probably what happened. Yeah. Because uh, I can't see John Carmack stealing some other person's no. engineering work. It's no, like, I couldn't either. Like yeah, improving on it, sure. Maybe somebody said something, but I think it's probably most likely that when he they told him no, we don't want to work on and research this stuff, he did it anyway. Yeah. To some degree, be. and that's where they have their leg to stand on. Because, again, I don't think they'd be pushing it this far if they didn't have a real case. Yeah. So something in there is... is no, that, that's, that's the facts. I mean, ZeniMax is not going to spend millions, and it's millions, yeah. of dollars on lawyers to pursue this case if it doesn't have legitimate proof that something happened. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see. This should probably play out over the next six months, but I hope it's not true. Yeah, I mean, I hope... I mean. The the whole like oh I I went ahead and did my stuff on this anyway and I use you know they're coming after me because I use their facilities or I use their you know whatever like that is the law though yeah it is the law uh, but yeah I would it would impact my opinion of him if it was like oh I just took the work that these other guys that I worked with there did and used them in Oculus and didn't bring them with me kind yeah. of thing that would be that would be worse to me than just like okay he used computers at Bethesda to, you know, do a thing that now he, you know, it's, I mean, that's a weird gray area, but, like, I hope it's more of a he stole his own work from when he worked there rather than, like, he stole work from ZeniMax employees who never got credit for it, never got paid for it. Agreed. Let's talk next about Titanfall 2. We're not going to talk about the game. We're going to talk about the fact that it is not doing well at retail. Um, EA has gone on record as saying that the sales are coming well under where they had hoped. Um, the respawn is already out in the media talking about, hey, you know, we don't know where they came up with that release date. We had no input on it. EA just told us this is when the game's coming out. Didn't ask for any input from us about whether we thought that was a good idea or a bad idea. EA also said that it's planning on continuing to make Titanfall games, Mm -hmm. regardless of what happens with this. Um, What it must be like, though, to be respawn in this situation? Because... You have your publisher, who's shown a lot of support mm-hmm. in your work and has praised your work and you know took you on and gave you a place to make games. In all honesty, when you know you had just left Infinity Ward, a lot mm. of people had, and 
uh, after you uh, basically gave EA the finger and went to join Activision right. as Infinity War. Right. These in guys, the remember, place. a lot of these guys made Call of Duty Allied Assault. Yep, you're absolutely right. Yep. And so, it's a little bit Not, of a... Uh, Medal of Honor Allied Assault. So, Respawn's in a tough position. EA's taking good care of them after they kind of ditched EA. And... Is showing continued support. Meanwhile, your game, it looks like it's going to tank, which is a complete crying shame. Like, yeah. I'm hoping that this is one of those games that eventually when people get tired of Call of Duty or get tired of Battlefield 1, the word of mouth spreads, and this is another game that they pick up, although that's highly unlikely. It just feels like it was just sent out to die. Yeah. Titanfall 2. And it's weird how everybody's passing the buck. It is such a great game. It's weird how everyone's passing the buck on why it came out on that yeah, day. yeah, no one will cop to it. No one will take responsibility and say, hey, I was the one who decided it should come out mm. then. Nobody. Well, because the gardener could have told us releasing it in, in the weak sandwich between Battlefield 1 and Call of Duty was not a good well, idea. We've been talking about it for months. Yeah. As soon as we saw the two release dates, we're like, what the hell? Like, why would you do that? It's the same publisher putting out two first-person shooters a week from each yeah. other. And look, I get it. One's futuristic with mechs and one's... A, it doesn't matter. Like... The shooting crowd is the shooting crowd. Yeah. And they only, only have so much money. They only have so much and money. Time. And you, you know they're going to buy Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. That's just done, set in stone. That's a game. They're going to buy it. So they're forced to choose between mm-hmm. Titanfall 2 or Battlefield 1. No matter what, you're spreading that base out even yep. more thin. I feel like you kick this thing down to March, get keep it within the fiscal year, but like get it clear of... All these shooters, you know, the, sh- there the aren't other shooters. Any shooters coming out no. in Q one. It's you, all like action adventures and, and yeah, you RPGs. Get, you get past and... February, where all the bulk of everything is, and you put a, a big shooter, you know, right there, maybe around the time of the Switch launch. Yep. You know, because there's, you know, obviously there's going to be people that don't want to switch and want something to play. Yeah. I think that's where you put it. But like for whatever, you know, there was something about like Respawn was saying stuff like we didn't, dis- you know, what, I don't know where the date came from, but that was always the date we've been saying for years, and it just was never able to move for whatever reason. And like EA didn't have any kind of commitment on whether it was why that was that date, and like no one seems to know why it came out. That Here's day. the other thing though too is that it hurts the people who work at Respawn. Yeah, because I don't know if you remember with the whole court case with Activision, what came out was how much money they were making off of sales and royalties off the game. It was insane. Like, there was the one community manager who worked with them for a while. What was his name? Robert Bowling. Yeah, Robert Bowling. Dude, that guy, just for being the community manager mm-hmm. on those games, is filthy rich. He started his own studio with the money he made off of working on Call of Duty for a couple years. It's mind-boggling. So, they know better than anybody, that's where your bread's really buttered mm-hmm. when you're a developer. It's like, the salary's nice. But you're working crazy hours. You want the royalties. That's where you want you make your money. That's where the you the butter hits the bread right there, man. That's where you get it. And like they're not gonna get it. No. They are not gonna make as much money off of this game as they should. Personally, the people who worked on the game, not EA or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the people, the human beings who worked on the game, are gonna get shorted because and that's where that publisher relationship, like that's something you gotta negotiate, right? Yep. Negotiate hard, too. Yeah, I mean... It's... And, and, and again, like, you wonder, like, who, you know, who made that call, where internally, who thinks that call was whose, and how, what does that turn into when it comes time to negotiate uh, your cut and your release date and your timing and your budget for their next game with EA? Like, 
this can this can have a massive uh, you know shock effect, domino effect down the chain. It could really impact what Titanfall three is. Respawn is independent, right? It's not yeah. owned by EA. not owned by EA. I mean, EA better watch its step. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of contracts they have in place. I think Titanfall EA has first refusal on oh, publishing really? it. I, I mean, think, I think Respawn to... may be ready to move on from Titanfall anyway. Maybe. I mean, it would be a shame if they did because I think there's a lot of cool stuff oh, happening hell yeah. in that franchise. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and there's more to be done. I mean, I would love to see a more open-ended... Look, you take kind of the chapter-style campaign of Battlefield 1 and combine it with sort of the choose-what-you-want-to-do-and-where-you-want-to-go of Infinite Warfare and make that Titanfall 3, you got my money. Yeah. Like, I would love to see something like that. EA better be careful, yeah, because it could lose a studio that could do really good things for it for the next decade. Although on the flip side, you got to ask, like, okay, let's say they leave EA, where do they go? Oh, who else has the money to Dude, front? Activision would pick up Respawn. I guarantee it. You think? They, you think oh they yeah. Would go back oh to yeah. Activision? They definitely would. Would they go back to Activision? Yeah. Hell yeah, they got paid. <laughs> they got paid. Look, at the end of the day, all they care about is making a good game. And making money. And they're going to make a good game. That has nothing to do with their publisher. But what it does have to do with the publisher is making money. And they're staring down the barrel of making way less money working with EA than they did working with Activision. I mean, that whole court case was like a blatant look how much money we made together statement. Like, I don't know. You got you to gotta take care of your people, you know, and... For, from EA's perspective, Respawn is their people. Like Just watching all this footage and looking at all the things you can't do when you're in a Titan. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to the last topic of the show. We're going to talk briefly about Skyrim Special Edition. I have not been playing it. I feel like I'm done with Skyrim, but Matt, you went back for the double dip. Or maybe it was it even the triple dip. No, I only had, it was two. Well, it was free. So like, yeah. I, mean, I, I bought Skyrim on PC for like five bucks in the Steam sale last year, and that means you get Skyrim Super Special Edition for free, and I loaded it up when it. You know, I didn't even notice it went live, and like I, that, someone was talking about it online. I'm like, oh, I'll go. Oh, there it is. I'll install it and take a look at what it looks like. Great. Uh, sixty hours later, I am Wait. playing Skyrim again. <laughs> You've been playing it for sixty hours? Yeah. Since it came out last Friday. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! I guess the question on the screen is answered. Yeah. Sound well, investment. Well, if you already have it on PC and they just give it to you for free, yeah, it's a great deal. Holy shit. You went back and played another 60 hours. I didn't mean to, but Wow. That's awesome. That just shows you how awesome that game is. Oh, yeah. I love it. And I haven't played... I mean, I haven't played it since I finished it when the last... You know, when... Uh, whenever the last DLC came, when Dragonborn came out. Yeah. The, the last DLC. So I finished that and that was... Because I'd finished everything else and I just went back and played the DLC as it came out. Hearthstone sucks. And um, <laughs> so I... So I, what? I'd been like... Four years? That was four years ago? Yeah. Four years ago? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't remember a lot of it. I right. remember, like, the broad strokes. But, like, yeah. and, of course, I've got, you know, I hadn't played with all the mods that have existed since then. So, I've got, like, you know, all the weather mods and the, the, the you know, the, the mesh fixes and the unofficial Skyrim patch, which you shouldn't play the game without, and the cutting room floor stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff that it looks, it looks amazing on top of the remastering and, you know. Is the audio an issue on PC? Uh, you can definitely hear that it's lower quality than the original. Yeah, what is up with that? How do you screw it, that up? It's hyper, hyper compressed for reasons that no one seems to know. Unreal. I mean, they said that, uh, I think they said that Is it, like, jarring it. and off-putting? 
If you're wearing headphones, yeah, it's wow, totally noticeable. Wow, that's it's, insane. It's, it's like weird and scratchy. That and, is crazy. And it also has like kind of some audio panning and balance issues to me. Like it, like voices are too soft. No matter how much I turn everything else down, it's hard to hear sometimes. And like uh, sound effects are very loud. Like I feel like it has surround issues. Like it yeah. has weird sound issues. Uh, but they said a patch is coming for the sound next week, so hopefully they get their mind around that one. Still looks um, like an old game. Yeah, I mean, they didn't up- update the models or the animations, so everybody, you know, it's a beautiful environment with, like, really janky models in it. Yeah. Uh, there's still a lot of weird, I mean, there's, like, weird breaky things in places. Like, there was a point at which all the all the, popula- the major population uh, people of Riften uh, teleported off the map. Like, every time I'd have to go do anything for the Thieves Guild quest, like, the map pointers would be, like, off like off the map in like Cyrodiil somewhere yeah. and you couldn't get to them so I had to like use the console to respawn them in Riften so I could talk to them or pick their pocket or whatever they want me to do so that was like if that had happened on a console I would have been screwed there would have been no way to finish like the Thieves Guild quests interesting um, so that was weird uh, that might have been due to some mod thing uh, but I don't know what do you have to do to get it free? you have to own uh, Skyrim and the DLC on PC on PC Otherwise, do you know what the console versions are retailing for? Sixty, I think. Sixty I think bucks. Full price. Yeah. Do you think it's still worth sixty bucks? If you've never played it, yeah. Yeah, I would say. Well, like, even if you have, apparently. You well, just yeah. Got 60 I mean, hours I mean, I'm, I'm not it. saying everybody likes it as much as I did, but like it's, uh, yeah. If you've already if you've already played it and you loved it, like you'll like this. You'll like it. It might be time to play it again. Yeah. Uh, if you've never played it, yeah. My brother-in-law has never played it. He's playing it for the first time. He's playing it on Xbox One. Uh, he, he usually plays PS4, but he picked Xbox One because the the more free mod, uh, right, the, right. the less lesser mod sense. restrictions. Did you guide him in that direction, um, or did he know that? He knew. Wow. He, he's a, he's a hardcore guy. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, he played two hundred and something. Wow. Hours. You have a great brother-in-law yeah. then. He played two hundred something hours of uh, Fallout Four. Wow. Um, him and Patch yeah. hang out. Yeah, no, like at Christmas when we like hang out, we talk about games and all this stuff, like every once in a while my mom just looks at my sister and is like, what the hell? And like, <laughs> married your brother, you know? And, <laughs> That's great, man. And, she, and then my sister will, will, will say, you wanted them to get along. <laughs> there you go. They're uh, going to talk about, they're going to talk about uh, Titanfall and The Witcher and, and, uh, and Skyrim the whole, you know, the whole uh, Christmas Eve. Um, but it's, uh. You got lucky with your brother-in-law. Yeah. But he, um. Uh, so he's I, so I gave him all the mods you want to use and all this you know and he seems to be having a good time. Uh, would you say this is one of the worst remasters to come out though? I would say it's one of the least impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean there's a couple. I mean the lighting is cool, the god rays are cool, the volumetric fog is cool, but yeah. like for the most part, it'd be, I'd be hard pressed to tell the difference in a lot of places outside of texture quality in most places, and then yeah. like. Look, I, I took a couple of screenshots where I'm like, look, the cows look terrible. The cows look like they jumped off of a PS2 game or something. Like, you didn't redo the fur texture? It, yeah. Just the game, it, it seems like a lazy remaster to me and a bit of a cash-in. The problem is, is that the game is so damn good that, like... Yeah. I mean, look, it, if it didn't have the mods enabled on console, I would say no. But this is going to sell more copies of this than it's going to sell of Dishonored 2. Probably. I would not doubt that. Yep. But it's like, look, if you couldn't do the mods on the consoles, I would say pass, no question. But the mods make it so much better. Yeah, yeah. And make it look so look so much better. I mean, like, 
You can even see, you know, yeah, add some load time. It you know tanks the frame rate in places, but just adding stuff like the, the you know the the, the better uh, just the better mesh stuff and the better um, uh, the open you know, on PC. I'm playing I'm playing on PC. I don't know how much stuff is available you know back and forth, but like apocalyptic magic and like uh, you know ordinators, which changes all the perk stuff, which makes all the perks are completely redone. So like uh, it, it it's a it, you know everything is totally different. All the perks are totally different. So like, but now they work as like combo stuff now. So like instead of like just boosting damage in a kind of a linear fashion, like now I have a one of my powers. I'm using a, I'm using a one-handed sword for the most part because I like one-handed swords. Yeah. And like now I have a one of my powers is uh, after I slash a guy for a certain number of seconds afterward, the next critic in the next power hit I land is an automatic critical. Oh wow. So like you're it's it's. Pushing you into doing combos and using right. the combat system in a way that normally, like you would just be like whack, 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 and like just like you know you just hit them like a hundred times and let them and let them die. But now you've got incentive to uh, you know do extra damage, and that works really well if you also put in kind of like one of those combat level scaling mods that makes everybody actually on your level. And so you know, so you don't hit a point where but you're just like you don't need the down. special edition though to use the mods, do you? Uh, not on PC, but like. The advantage is the special edition has the mods built into the console. The co- well, yeah, but also like you can just on the PC version, you just go down to mods in the main menu, and you can see all the stuff that they've officially like put right, up. Right, right. And like you know, it's it's. I mean, you can just use Nexus mods or whatever you want to use if you're you know you know old school style. But I love that you can go into the mods you know thing on the main menu and just see all this stuff, and they update each day, and right. all, you know it's it's really convenient and easy. It's great. So. Uh, you know, the community makes it a great game at this point because yeah. of all the mod work and because, like, you know... There's, well, the there's... sad part is that some of the mods for this game have way more work put into them than this oh, yeah. remaster. Fallscar uh, is... It's so is a... pathetic. Fallscar is available now for, for PC, the PC version and for the Xbox One version. It will never come to PS4 because it uses uh, custom content. But uh, that is a whole new city that you reach through a whole... It's a separate, fully voiced, like, user-made, like... DLC thing basically, and it's like twenty to thirty hours. I mean, it's gigantic, and like most people probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between it and official content, except for the fact that it uses more than the base ten voice actors. Right. You know, <laughs> like that's how I knew the guy that ran up to me in Riften to give me the quest to to find the the place I needed to go to do to start that that mod was was from that mod was because he wasn't one of like the five dudes who voices everybody in the game. Right. Right. It's, uh, it's so you re- could recommend this for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I lo- even people who played it already, they could go back and enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you loved it, and I did, uh, and you go back and you want to, see, and especially because I played it on the 360. Yeah. So you know, it looks better to me anyway. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, now with all the different mods that I couldn't use on the 360, it looks amazing, and it's had you know all these years to you know also because you can plug all these crazy mods that make it look better and cooler. In and not lose performance on PC because the hardware is so much more powerful than it was in 2011. Yeah. Uh, really, there's no downside to it, especially if you already if you already got it for like five, ten bucks on a Steam sale. It's already in your library. Give it a try as long as you're not afraid to lose your life for a couple of weeks. Yeah, there like, you go. Damn, like I was not prepared for how much this would suck me back in. I, I was shocked I, to hear 60. Hours. I thought I'm I'd just admit. play it a little bit. Oh, I yeah, thought you were cool. going to say like, like 10 or 15. You know, like, I, like this is like all I've been doing this week. <laughs> That's like, great. Every spare moment, I'm just like, most places Skyrim. I love it. So good. All right, it's time for us to move on to the trailer of the week. That's one thing that won't change with our new format. We're going to have a trailer of the week every week. 
You guys can probably guess which one it is, but uh, Blizzard today put out a brand new cinematic trailer for Overwatch that uh, basically de debuts a new character. Um, as always, anytime Blizzard puts out a new piece of CG, it is going to be our trailer of the week, and that's the case with this one. Get those questions in. Let's watch it. this was supposed to be the most advanced security system on the planet. We don't have all day. Hurry up. Enough. Do you have satellite? <sighs> of course. Are you certain the target is on site? Oh, she's here, all right. Okay, you're in. Cannot wait until the inspection is over. The door. Sombra. <laughs> I am in position. Sombra, time to target. Incoming, right now. Chairman Boitskaya, the new guidance systems. They will be the difference in destroying the hated Omnics. Tell me we're still on schedule. The Omnium will not wait for us to be ready before they attack again. Our first new mechs in a decade. This will ensure the future of Russia. Just a little bit further. Let's move! Widowmaker, hold the perimeter. We'll take over. to make this meeting happen. 
Relájate, I'm not going to kill you. I mean, I'm the one that set off the alarm. Sombra, do you have the target? Okay, listen. I'm here to make a friend and show you something I found. Tell me, what would happen if the people of Russia learned that their defender against the Omnics was actually getting her tech from the enemy? What would that do to the future of Russia? What do you want? The most powerful woman in Russia? <laughs> I've always wanted a friend like that. So, I'm thinking. I don't let these images appear on every hall of it in the world. And you help out your new friend every now and then. What do you say? Clock's ticking, amiga. As if I had the choice. Now what, friend? I'll be in touch. Boop. Mission failed. Target escaped. Get back to the ship. Another amazing piece of uh, Blizzard CG there. Shorter than the other ones, though. That one's only about yeah. six minutes. Well, proving that you don't need a campaign to develop your characters in your world. Yeah. If you've got a fan base loyal enough to follow you to YouTube. Blizzard taking people to school. We have some good questions. Here's one from Solo Dolo241. If you had to fill in voicing any character during the voice actor strike, who would it be or what game would you like to have a role in? I would probably want to do Sean Hastings from Assassin's Creed. Not that they're going to make games with him in it anymore, but uh, he's one of my favorite characters. He's, he's the uh, modern-day uh, sarcastic asshole uh, guy. <laughs> he's actually based on a friend of mine from Ubisoft. So, um, uh, yeah, he, I think he would be fun to voice just because he's a sarcastic bastard. And uh, he's also my favorite. When they do the... Uh, the um, the data entry logs like the the you know the encyclopedia written by you know written in character he is my favorite character to have written them because he always puts his own little comments on things. Uh, I don't know. I think the most unique voice, and I, maybe I'm just thinking this because I just played the game, is the guy who does Marcus Phoenix. His voice sounds what I've what I've discovered is John DiMaggio. Yeah, what and I've discovered. Yeah, I've discovered that everybody sounds like Nathan Drake now. Like. Uh, Marcus Phoenix's son in Gears of War 4, JD, he, I can't believe it's not Nolan North. Like, it sounds <laughs> exactly like him. 
And every character in Nolan video games... North, the butter looks, voice actors. Yeah, and everybody in video games, every character looks like Drake, too. It's mm-hmm. insane how he has just become, like, the de facto video game guy, so... Well, he used to be bald space marine, so I'd say yeah, that's, right. that's a, a trading up. Well, the bald space marine was because, like, a lot of developers didn't want to have to like hair have hair that. throughout the whole game. Well, like, now in Gears of War Four, the bald space, the you know, the bald space marine literally gave birth you're to right. Nathan Drake. You're right. <laughs> uh, so I like uh, Marcus Phoenix. I feel like his voice is very unique. Uh, he doesn't voice a lot of other characters in video games. I obviously could never do it. My voice is like nowhere near deep and gruff enough. But I mean, I just... he does a lot of a lot of characters with Drake's voice because he goes into the studio and the director says, give us Drake, yeah. and that's what he does. But, you know, he also does the Penguin in the Arkham games. You never knew that was him. It's true. He's very, very versatile. He also does an excellent old lady. He's an exceptional old lady voice. <laughs> He's very good. Uh, here's one from Dyson XP. What's up, Dyson? Uh, with Game Face now covering a lot more topics, is there now less of a desire to produce more episodes of Gaif? Nope. Uh, Gaif is completely different. Um, it's not even really about the topics. It's about opinion and angles and... is like the title of Gaif is, is kind of the convergence of gaming and life. And that's not really the angle that this show takes. Certainly there are some things that we talk about on the show that could make it over into Gaif and vice versa. But really, the themes of the show are different, because Geif is really supposed to be kind of a look at how society and gaming collide. Um, and we just talk more about games and the gaming industry on Game Face. So uh, it won't impact Geif. I know you're probably asking that, because you're probably still wondering where that episode is that I talked about like a couple weeks ago. Well, it's been hard for me to record that episode, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, still not quite normal yet. Like, certain things that I talk about or see, like, I can't watch certain things on TV and certain things in movies still. Like, um, The Walking Dead uh, season premiere, I should have never watched that. I just shouldn't have. It was bad. Um, For me, personally, it was bad. It was also just bad. (laughs) But... It was ruthless, yeah. that episode. And in, in my particular mental state right now, I know I seem like I'm normal and, you know, I'm happy and laughing and everything, but I'm not. I'm far from normal. I'm still pretty messed up. And so certain things and certain media and stuff, it just kind of sets me off. And so I've actually tried to record that episode a couple different times and had to stop. Um but I know when I finally nail it, it's going to be really good. And there's already bits and pieces, but then, like, I have, like, one shirt on. And then, like, <laughs> I have, like, well, I guess I have to wear that shirt when I go to try and record the rest of it. So I am working on it. And, yeah, I don't think that this show is going to have any kind of impact. The new format's going to have any kind of an impact on Geif. They're just to- two totally different things. And I wanted them to be different from the beginning. So that's kind of how it's worked out. And I apologize for the delay on the episode of Geif, by the way. Helters asks, imagine the voice actor strike started much earlier and forced the games coming out Q4 this year to use non-union actors. How much would it have affected sales? That's a great question. Oh, affected sales? Yeah. thought they were going to say affect the quality of the game. Yeah, it's two very different questions because if you're asking how it affects sales, it doesn't. It won't. Sales it won't affect at all. Quality of the game, that's an interesting that's question. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know if it would affect it that much. I mean, it depends how willing they are to hunt down someone who can... Because look... 
voice acting voice actors are handled by SAG, but if you want to go stage actors, you're dealing with equity, which is a yeah. separate thing. Right. And I mean, you can get great actors from the stage. Yeah. I mean, those guys are, are, you know, and some of them are even better trained, uh, or at least comparably trained in terms of voice work. Yeah. Um, now, granted, you're probably going to run into the same problems pretty quick in terms of, like, someone who has to be on stage four to five nights a week, and you want them to ruin their voice grunting and screaming. Um, but, you know, it has been done before. You could figure it out. And they probably, I don't know what equity rates are, but I bet they're lower than SAGs. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I feel like if you're, if you're, if they care about the quality, they could figure it out. Um, unless equity decides to stand with SAG, which is possible. Yeah. Um, but that would be an interesting question. But I mean, look, there are people who are great voice actors who aren't in any union whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, you trust me, you, like when we were starting Sifted, I sent out like a call in LA for voice actors to voice like our video reviews, which we only ended up doing a couple of, but man, I got slammed with like two or 300 emails and more than half of them, like in the subject heading was no union. Mm. Like basically saying like, look, I'm not gonna gouge you and you don't have to like jump through all these hoops to work with me. Like, and then they had links to their website with their voiceover and their voiceover was great. So. The problem with voiceover is finding exactly what you want. Mm. Some people have like a Brooklyn accent. Somebody have like a Boston accent. Like it's all finding that voice that you want for the project that you're working on. And I'm sure with games, it's even more difficult. Mm. So I think that might be the bigger problem is finding for them without working with a union is finding somebody who matches the character that they want. It may have been a case where they had to almost retrofit the character to fit the voice actor, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do when you already have a vision, which is why they're pushing back so hard on the voice actor strike. Because there's a lot of games that are coming out in the next three months, and these publishers right now are like, dude, like we could miss our quarter. Well, I, th- I think that's further out. I mean, you're, you're, in terms of the voice actor strikes affecting things, I think you're looking at stuff from 2018. I don't or... think so. I, there are pickups for voiceover Right up to the last, like, two months mm. of the game's development. Like, they change a line here or there. Yeah, but I think it's different in terms of, like, well, we won't, we won't get that better line read we wanted versus we can't record the game. Yeah. You know, that's the difference between, I think, second half of next year and first half of the year after. Yeah. But hopefully they'll solve the differences by then. But, yeah, financially, no yeah, No one buys it. See, that's... that's, that's this is another one of those things that we know about that everybody right. else doesn't. Well, that's also kind of like one of the things you'll, you'll see, I think you'll see the publishers, you know, mention over and over is that nobody buys a video game because of a voice actor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe I bought War for Cybertron because Peter Cullen was doing Megatron, or doing a Optimus Prime, but um, generally that's not a thing. Like, no one would not buy Uncharted 4 if Nolan North didn't do... Uh, okay, maybe I wouldn't buy that but it's it's not a mainstream sales drug. i mean this, less... is, this is not stars in movies it's not tom cruise yeah less than one half of one yeah. percent of people who buy games give a crap about who voices they them. don't know anyone any of their names and that's us we're the one half of the one percent uh let's see we're way over time let's see if we can just find one or two more Oh, here's one, another one from Solo Dolo. I hate to answer, answer two questions from the same person. Not that we dislike you or anything. We just try to spread it around. But do you ever force? It's a good question. Do you ever foresee a sports game being considered for game of the year? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, didn't that happen once? I mean, I don't know. Does Rocket League count? 
Yeah, kinda. Didn't I, we had we had NBA one of the NBA two Ks got nominated for Game of the Year at X Play once. Yeah, that's I, possible. Obviously, that I wouldn't be the one to suggest it, but enough of the sports fans on the team were like, "This was the best thing I played all year." That we decided to put it in because it just reflected how the team thought. I think if they ever finally made an engaging single player component out of a sports game, it has a chance. I mean. Yeah. NBA 2K is taking baby steps towards it, but I'm talking about making a full-on RPG mm-hmm. with sports almost is just the environment that it takes place in. I think also, like, somebody... Sh- I mean, it'll never happen because of how they crank the things out, but a full-on level, like, RPG-style uh, pro wrestling game, like like a WWE game, which they have sort of, like, made, like, pathetic rudimentary stabs at in story modes in some of those games. Like, yeah. A full-fledged, like, really polished version of that would be huge, uh, at least for that audience. Yeah. And uh, I would play it, cause I, I, but it's always just been the jangiest crap ever, uh, so it was never worth playing. Right. But if you gave me something on par, hell, even just something on par with, like, Road to the Show, but with wrestling, like, you'd have my attention on that. Yep. But I don't think anyone will ever do that, because it's not... Isn't, again, like the voice acting, it's not going to make it sell anymore. You're right. Uh, here's one from that Japanese dude. What are you looking forward to the most now for the rest of the year? Um, yeah, Star Trek VR is gone. Um, probably Last Guardian. It's still Dishonored too for me. We actually were asked this question a month ago, I think. Yeah, something like that. It's good to bring it back up now that a bunch of games have come out, but it's still Dishonored 2 for me, and that comes out next week. Yeah, I think I'm still just super curious about The Last Guardian. Um, I admit I'm also kind of curious about Final Fantasy XV. I kind of think it's going to be bad, but I'm sort of curious as, I to, don't know. as to how bad and why. <laughs> a lot of the people who are playing it are saying some pretty good things about it. Yeah, well. I don't know. Not that I tend to agree with everybody else very often, but... I, I start to wonder sometimes about stuff like Final Fantasy XV, like whether it's suffering from the effect of like you send the Final Fantasy fan on the staff to go deal with this. It stuff. could because other other people don't even want to go cover. Because remember, I don't particularly like this series, so I'm kind of looking for something that sort of turns it on its head and does something different and pulls me in in a way that they haven't for three installments. And does this one have what it takes? Maybe we'll see. World of Final Fantasy didn't do it. Uh, here's. One from, uh, oh, from Eric Estrada. This is the last one. Any predictions or hopes for PSX? No. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, now that we know that God of War isn't going to be there, my yeah, hype I mean, for the whole thing is really diminished. Yeah, exactly. But my hope is that we see, like, a good 15, 20-minute chunk of Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, it's like three months away from yeah. release. Like, the only other thing I would I would be interested in, I guess, would be... My more... hype level for that game, by the way, is, like, starting to ascend to this place where I don't think the game will ever reach it. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn I'd be interested in, but I also sort of feel like I'm done watching Horizon Zero I know, Dawn. I'm pretty footage. much on media blackout for that game now. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, so close, like, it I've seen enough, I don't need any more selling on Horizon, I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Just finish that sucker and put it in my veins. Like, I'd like to see what Sucker Punch is going to do next. Yeah, well, they got them working on these PS4 Pro things yeah. now. Yeah, and I'd like Taking to see... Taking time away um, from what they should be doing. And I'd like to see something, anything, some kind of indication that that Ace Combat VR is still coming. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, what the hell happened to that? <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for episode 66 of Game Face. Hope you guys enjoyed the new format. We do have one more piece of uh, information to share with you guys. Before we go, though, we have a brand new member of Sifted Elite. Not mm. just Sifted Elite. This man is a Sifted Elite All-Star. Bring it up. Royden, Sifted Elite All-Star. Thank you so much for contributing money. <laughs> Above and beyond, my brother. Thank you so, so much. We really appreciate it. Royden, hope you have a great weekend. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Hope you have a good Friday night watching us talk about video games. I know we had a good time, even though it's late. And thanks to you guys who stuck on the stream while we were trying to get this new format set up. Hopefully next week's a little smoother. Mm. People who are watching the archive won't even know what happened at the beginning. <laughs> that gonna, was only for the people on the stream who gonna, were... You're going to fix that, huh? Oh, it'll be fixed, yeah. So only the people who are on the stream will ever know how the first attempt at our new format went. Otherwise, people will never know. So thanks, everyone. Everyone have a great weekend. Game Face is up and out.